Are you ready? They think you can tell us what to do. You think you can tell us what to wear. You think that you're better. Well, you better get ready. Bow to the masters. Break it down! Hello and welcome to the first 90 Minute Cynic of the 2018 season year. 2000, off to a bad start already, Christian. Um, as usual. As usual. Um, welcome to 90 Minute Cynic. Uh, I'm your host, Chris Gallagher, and I'm joined by uh, Christian Wolf. I think I'm uh, the co-host in these uh, stat and tactical podcasts. I'm no? joined by oh. Christian okay. Wolf. Thank you. Thanks for having me. No, Christian, this is a this is going to be a more sort of stats and tactics focused because we know podcast. everybody loves that. But don't worry, we'll do it. But I'm I'm the the common man. I'm the dusty roads of the podcast, and I'll uh, I'll keep it kind of grounded in reality, not let these guys get carried away. Um, but we're going to do a bit of Celtic chat at the, at the beginning of the podcast, and then we're going to go into some. I, I kid, of course, so I'm interested in analysis about Celtic and Scottish football as a whole. I'm joined by, also by, uh, an illustrious panel. They've got interesting socks on, both of them. Um, the, the Hack it, I think. The, there's the, the, there's freeze of, there's, there's, there's a certain level of hipsterness going on here, I'll be honest with you. Uh, Vans and Adidas with green and taupe. Um, socks I would say teal, but teal? top also works. Top also works. So, I mean, I don't know why you'd bring it up. Off, straight off the bat, Just you're making an enemy of the of the man. So, Alex Lawrence. How are we? A-Dog. That's the one. A the unit. very same. Yep. yep. The A-Meister General. I'm back again. Doogie Wright, making his uh, debut in Cynic Towers. He's been on 90 Minute Cynic before, but that's when Bowd was in charge, so... Obviously, that doesn't count. Does it? it really doesn't. Mm-hmm. It really also, my socks. I told a lie. They're not Hackett. They're Osprey. If anybody wants them, right. you can get them for nine ninety nine at all good retailers. Just quote Dougie ten, 10 quid for ten percent off. Uh, t- terrific! Uh, that's off to a good start, as far as I well, can tell. Um, and we're also um, joining us from um, the land of the free and the home of the brave, um, representing Donald Trump on today's podcast. It's Matt Rain. My socks are actually Under Armour, and you can get a discount with Under Armour if you use the uh, code word HUGE. So go ahead and do that. <laughs> code word HUGE. Um, did I pronounce your second name right? Uh, I think so. I actually didn't hear that part. I was so worried about my joke that I was just about to tell. <laughs> and you, 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 know, you really should have been worried, um, I'll be honest with you. Uh, but no, it's terrific to have you um, involved, Matt. Uh, you're an old hat of this as well, so it's no, no biggie. Uh, so it's obviously Celtic um, and Scottish football in general is being on a, a sort of winter break. What have you guys been doing over the, the winter break? Just a quick question. Just the... Make it interesting. I was just ill. <laughs> the whole time, and, you've, wa- and watching, you've been watching a lot of Scottish football. Watching a lot of Scottish football, um, some of it good, some of it of the other variety. Have you been going to like the junior stuff and the championship and the league, league one and stuff? Or? I, I've, I've managed to avoid that. I managed to avoid that um, for better or worse. 
Um, You're going to have to up your game, mate, to be honest with you. I am, I am. But I think after watching uh, Aberdeen against Hearts, I think there's only so much that a man can take. Because so. you, you're an Aberdeen fan? That, that, the Aberdeen would be your Scottish team? or uh, just I, I wouldn't go that far. I haven't, I haven't go that far. Okay. I think Queen's Park is my is my Queen's Scottish Park, team. Uh, the Spiders. The Spiders indeed. South side of Glasgow they're from. Yep. A local the local team. Dougie yourself, what have you been up to? Anything exciting? Well, yeah, I am giving up alcohol for twenty eighteen just to see if I can do it. So I've been on a tea binge. Lapsan Shushong, I would if you haven't had it before, really avoid it. It tastes like Shite. Yeah, like some crude oil's done a shite and it landed in your mug. It's disgusting. Jesus, he's, he's went all full. Have you yeah. ever cranberry and raspberry? That's, that's, it's, that's it's, some good it's shit. really not helping his Twitter image here. <laughs> he's really not. Uh, so I just kind of want to, obviously, we are a Celtic podcast, so we're kind of just going to kind of start with some points about Celtic. Then, Christian, I'll let you, he's chomping at the bit to Thanks. take over and Thanks. do his. I've had a good 2018 as well, by the way, so. Oh, listen, you, you you tweet more times than fucking Donald Trump himself, mate. To be honest with you, you are. Uh, oh, here's an interesting stat about blah blah blah. No one cares. Um, I'm only joking, Christian. Um, but obviously, comp has been brought in uh, from a defensive point of view. A lot of people are kind of going off their nut that Eric Sviachenko has left. Uh, Mostly the hipsters. Is Eric Sviachenko a big loss to Celtic? In the way that Celtic wants to play, probably not. Um, I think that's, as I've said before, I don't think he is any less talented than Boyata and and Zimonovic, but he obviously, you know, Rodgers and his team has had a good look um, for you know, a year and a half now, and I don't think they just think he doesn't play or he can't adapt to the way he, he wants to play, especially with the ball on his feet. So in that case, no, uh, with Comper being injured, uh, yeah, it's a bit of a worry just now. But then again, you do have a... a a big, big Norwegian there who's, who's gonna who's, who's gonna sort it out. So yeah, absolutely. What were you guys? Sviachenko would he is he a loss in any way or just is it the right time for him to go? I think that what Christian was saying there is certainly certainly valid. Um, I think with the emergence of Boyata and the improvement that he's made over the last few months, the improvement that Boyata has made has been excellent. I don't think that. Well, certainly, I never envisaged it. And, and that's not to say that he's by any means the perfect central defender, or by any he's means really not, <laughs> or or the or that his play with the ball at his feet is exceptional. But compared to where he was a year ago, it is night and day. How and you can see that by the fact that Brendan Rodgers plays him in the biggest of the games, the biggest of games, and gives him this responsibility almost week in week out um, to start things from the back. So I think that between. The emergence of Bayata, obviously, Ayer coming back on uh, from his loan and how well he's done. Also, as Christian mentioned there, the fact that when Simunovic had the ball at his feet at times, there wasn't really... Sviachenko. Uh, sorry, uh, sorry Sviachenko. When Simunovic had the ball at his feet, it was fine. Um, <laughs> was it? <laughs> Jesus. Um, when Sviachenko was bringing the ball out at times, it was, it was hardly a threat. Um, for many games, I think one of my favourite moments of last season was towards the end, um, a game against Inverness away. I think it was four nil, a four nil win for Celtic. And there was one particular scene where Sviachenko brings the ball out of defence, and the the camera 
pans from him in the Celtic half, pans round towards Inverness and you're just waiting. You're just waiting to see an Inverness midfielder appear into shot and nothing appears. <laughs> there's just nothing. Um, and there's just all this space and all this opportunity for, for Sivichenko to go in and do something and he just squanders possession. And I think that if there was a if there was one scene to sort of sum up perhaps how um, Sivichenko's time at Celtic uh, has gone then I think perhaps that was it Just uh, c- c- any kind of thoughts on it Diggy as well or? Yeah we kind of go with what these guys have said good defender wrong system maybe um, he did last season back in December he pinged one out from like 40 yards against Ross County Yeah, but sadly that was the exception rather than the rule um, you've seen guys like Boyata come in and make the opposite journey from the bench nowhere near the team to regular starter every week and Sviatchenko's gone the other way and that's just because Bayat has been able to adapt to that system much better. Yeah. Matt, what about you? you? Has he got stats that backs up that he's shite? Or? Well, no. he hasn't really played much that this year, and I think that's kind of something that people aren't taking into account, is that he probably wants to leave just as much as Celtic wanted to get rid of him because he probably wanted more playing time than he was getting at Celtic with Ayer uh, coming in, playing well, with uh, Boyata seemingly you know, getting the starting spot every week uh, when he's healthy. Uh, I'm sure... Shevchenko was was looking to go somewhere else to to try and get more time. So it's you know fine and great to say, oh, we need him for cover. But if the player doesn't want to be here, you know what what's the point of keeping him? So it, unfortunately, a couple injuries happened, and and it now looks like Celtics not going to have much depth for at least the immediate future at center back. But how can you foresee that? You know, going into making a move like that, and then how can you keep a player who's saying, I want to play every week? You're not let me do that, let me go somewhere where I can do that. So I think it was just bound to happen. Just speaking of Celtic um, centre-backs as well, uh, in the next edition of the supplement, which might not be called a supplement anymore, Alex Lawrence here will do an in-depth, pretentious piece on uh, Christopher Ayer and uh, how he fits into the Celtic lineup. So keep an eye out for that. Yeah, Ayer looks terrific. Um, genuinely very excited about his uh, development and where he's going to go. Um, can't wait to see him play for Southampton in a year and a half. Um, uh, are Celtic doing enough business? Um, do you think we're turning around the squad enough, qu- quickly enough? Or do you think it's just a bide your time and wait and see? Uh, because obviously these Champions League qualifiers are coming in uh, June. Yeah, I mean, I, I always try to be a bit contrarian in that view and say that I don't really like teams that make a lot of transfers because I think it's a really, really short-term where, a way of, of trying to improve the squad, whereas the, the more sensible and, and long-term way is actually just working with the players you have a lot and bringing in as few as possible but the right ones. And I, I, I've said it before, I don't think there is an issue with the money at Celtic as such. It's just that the position they're in is, is really difficult to go out and find the right kind of players because they need somebody who's potentially have well have the potential to play in a high level in Europe, but you can't play can't pay too much for them or pay too much wages in terms of those kind of players. So you have to go and find slight diamonds in the rough, which I think in the summer, you know, with Nasham, uh, they they've they've done, but it might take a little while before those players come come true. So. I don't know. I mean, in in terms of what Celtic's got left as well of the season, um, yeah, I, th- I think they should only buy if the right players come available. Uh, Jason Cummins signing for um, Rangers. Um, 
I think that's quite a good signing for them. I don't think he's a goal scorer, as it's kind of been proved, you know, when when he's played anywhere outside of the Scottish Championship. What do you think about Cummings? I think Cummings is a fairly low risk signing from Rangers. Okay, he hasn't scored in the Scottish Premiership yet, but that was what four years ago, I suppose. Um, when he had half a season there with Hibs, then down at Nottingham Forest, he's one goal in fourteen appearances, but. I don't know, Scottish Championship. I think there's a few similarities. I tweeted about this earlier the week with Lee Griffiths in that made a name for themselves in the Scottish Championship in the lower leagues. Went down to England. I think Lee Griffiths' rules were League One when he went there and did pretty well. Yeah. Griffiths had the two seasons with Hibs in the Premiership where he got, what was it, 30 goals in 60 games. or some A really, really good return rate. Cummings obviously doesn't have that, but that's the difference between Celtic and Rangers in that Celtic can afford to go get that guy with that pedigree, whereas... Rangers have to gamble on Cummings. Twitter headline: Dougal Wright thinks that Cummings is just as good as uh, Lee Be- Griffiths. Yeah. Yeah. It sounded like it. No, I remember when I remember when Griffiths went to Wolves and uh, Mick McCarthy. That's why he sent him back up to Hibs because he just Mick McCarthy said he needed to work on his character, needed to work on you know how he acts outside of the game. He went to Hibs, scored goals, and then he went back down to Wolves. And although he was scoring goals, he still maybe didn't have the the right sort of professional attitude as well and uh, at least he's no kidding on he's a fucking wrestler anyway um, <laughs> Christian you want to do your thing and we've got a kind of project that we're going to do over this podcast or uh, absolutely so the, the the narrative hook we're going to uh, hang this uh, podcast on is that we're going to ask the four of you I'm, I'm just a judge um, to nominate your teams of the year in, in the Scottish uh, Premiership so far, but we're going to do it the slightly way where you do a Scottish team and then a team full of foreign players. And, you know, we'll, we'll go through that and then we'll decide on a... Mine's is Liam Henderson. Okay. Because he plays in CDB now. Wait your turn. Wait your turn. Uh, and obviously Matt is going to do that from... trying to do it from, from a stats perspective. The the tactical guys here are going to do it from a... I'll do it from a heart know, perspective. Exactly. You're going to do it from the... <laughs> a man's man perspective. A man's man. Um... So yeah, that, that's and the whole, I think we're probably going to go off on a, a few uh, tensions while we go through that as well. So, without further ado, uh, we're going to start with um, Scottish team or the Scottish goalkeeper. Do you get right? Who do you got? My Scottish goalkeeper was Craig Gordon. Um, yeah, I think he's had a solid, solid calendar year. Um, we obviously the start of last season was dropped from the team um, for failing to adapt to Roger's system. And he's come on leaps and bounds since then. His distribution can still be a little bit wobbly at times. But, yeah, by and large, I think you're struggling to find a better guy than the national team goalkeeper. Alex? I think it's difficult to disagree with with Craig Gordon and goals. Um, I think, like Doggy said, his distribution at times is fine. Just mm. just, 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 <laughs> just, just, just <laughs> fine. Good, fine. Yeah, <laughs> just fine. Um, and obviously, in terms of uh, shot-stopping, he's... Produced some spectacular saves this season, and Whitaker obviously, uh, ridiculous, um, and historically as well. So, um, yeah, difficult to look past a goalkeeper playing for the Scottish national team. Matt, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to jump in here stat wise as well because in the next edition of the, the supplement, I'm writing a piece about a new expected goals model we've uh, set up for for goalkeepers in in Scotland. That's you know definitely proved that. 
you know, we, we're right about this and, and Dougie Alex is, is, is wrong. But f- from your stat perspective, uh, Matt, uh, who do you got as a Scottish goalkeeper? Um, so I also had, seasons? yeah, I, I had Gordon as well, oh. um, but I did have <laughs> an honorable mention. But first, you know, in general, it's just been a pretty rough year for keepers in the uh, in Scotland this year. Uh, before, not using your model, but the old model that we use, none of the goalkeepers this year have saved any goals. And what I mean by that is all of their goals against are higher than their expected goals against. None of our negative number, meaning all of them you would expect to save. Or all of them have let in more goals than you'd expect to say, uh, expect them to. So it hasn't been a real good year for goalkeepers in general. But uh, my honorable, like I said, Gordon was my pick. But my honorable mention is uh, Scott Bain heading to Hibs. He had he only played in a thousand minutes for Dundee uh, in his time, but he had the best goals against minus expected goals against for any Scottish keepers. But he just only he's only played thousand minutes with his little uh, spat with uh, Neil, Neil McCann there. I, I can't tell you, Matt, uh, my new model is, is better. And uh, about, half to, <laughs> about half the goalkeepers are, are overperforming them. But again, uh, from that perspective, it's, it's Scott Bain as well, who's been the best Scottish goalkeeper. But, you know, it's your choice. So we're putting Gordon in, Gordon in as well. Christopher Gallagher, best Scottish goalkeeper so far. Uh, I don't think you can argue with Gordon. Um, it's funny, we people really criticise Gordon and you know watching the Celtic games I, I can see I, I can sometimes see why his when he when he's kicking out to the left hand side and he does that we sort of it's almost like a golf sort of sort of chip and every single time it always goes out he never ever makes that shot and so he keeps doing it over and over again and understand it's about making space and understand that he's completely evolved and changed his game, which I think he should be applauded for. Really, really should. Because he's 33 now and, you know, can't teach an old dog new tricks, etc. But um, he's the best goalkeeper in the league. He's not only the best Scottish goalkeeper, he's the best goalkeeper by 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 some distance, I think. Well, the stats don't agree. But <laughs> who, who, statistically, who is the best? Um... In terms of shot stopping, which is what we can, can measure really, it's, it's uh, Alan Manis, St. Johnson. Is that because he has more shots on target directed at him? Well, I've written a 2,000 word piece exactly about how I came to so that yeah, conclusion. So it's a no. It's a yes <laughs> <or> no <laughs> but you have to wait a couple of weeks uh, to read that. But that's four votes for Craig Gordon, who goes into the combined Scottish team. Um, can I ask one question? Yeah, of course you can. Um, if Gordon was playing for um, any other team, would he be statistically the best? In terms of he'd have more shots to stop, would that put well, his expected saves up? No, expected goals don't really uh, don't really take time to consider as much. So no, I, I, in, in usual stats, yeah, the more shots you have at you, you probably you probably make more saves. Uh, you might even make a higher percentage uh, as well. But you know we're, we're a bit more of a advanced than that. If you so. if you tap me in the shoulder like that. I <laughs> I swear to fuck. <laughs> but like, uh, the, the, the quality of Craig, Craig Gordon's saves um, is better than anyone in the league. How he saves them, it's, you know, like, he made two stops two weeks in a row, one against Dundee, uh, where it was it was a goal, it was definitely a goal, and he somehow gets down to his right-hand side and tips it around the post. And I jumped out, I was at the game, and I jumped out of my seat like a goal had been scored because it was that good a save. So you should have a wee marker for that. It's all taken in consideration, but fun? you can read it in a couple of weeks. All right, okay, so. here we go. <laughs> no, sorry, go on. Do you right, foreign keeper? 
Barnkeeper, I put Thomas Charney. Okay, uh, that's uh, wrong, but okay, <laughs> let's hear your reasons. Well, the thing is, if you watch Partick Thistle this season, is the, <laughs> you watch it. Sorry, no. <laughs> no, but their, their aggression in defence is just non-existent. They let people swan through that midfield. The penalty box defending is particularly awful. There was a goal against Aberdeen and they conceded where the ball's just bobbling about the box for a good 15, 20 seconds and no Thistle player wants to put a name in it. <laughs> now, I guess you can maybe criticise Charney's organisation of his defence here. But given what he's had to work with, I think his shot stopping has been pretty bang on. Alex, uh, put Dougie right here. Uh, I've gone for Alan Manis because I'm making a, a better decision. <laughs> um, oh, I think with uh, rationale behind this is um, mainly comes down to just how much St. Johnson have overperformed uh, both at the last season and this season. Um, are they overperforming this season? Or are they performing at the level they should be? Uh, no, that's, they've that's definitely a, regressed to the back to the mean. You know, they've, they've yeah, uh-huh, performed uh-huh, a lot in uh-huh. the last couple of years, but but Manis is I mean not to, to jump ahead, but Manis nope. is one of the better statistical keepers this year. Certainly, certainly. And, and even then the St. Johnson is still overperforming in terms of their actual results this year, even though they haven't been that good. So when when you look at a team which is overperforming, whether that was last season or however we're measuring overperformance this season. Um, when you look at a team that's overperforming, you tend to look at the front end and, and at the back end. Yeah. You tend to find either a really hot striker or a goalie that's, to use an American term, standing on his head and just not letting anything in. Um, Where the fuck does that come from? Standing on his head. It's an ice, it's an ice hockey term. It's an ice hockey term. Uh, but I've, I've wondered this often myself. <laughs> but uh, as, as with so many things, an ice hockey is just better left. Uh, does Matt know? Yeah. yeah, that's a phrase I've heard before. Do you know why? <laughs> that's that's <laughs> not an explanation. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, I think it's a hockey hockey phrase. You're not adding anything to it <laughs> at all. <laughs> Definitely I mean, I know, is I a phrase. Guy, but I, uh, yeah, that, that's the extent of my uh, hockey cliche knowledge. <laughs> uh, Matt, I, I take it you have uh, Alan Manis as well. Any other keepers you yeah. want to mention from a stats point of view? Yeah, Manis is, is the... Um, is the best statistical keeper. Um, but and I, I mentioned Bain before, uh, uh, another honorable mention in this category is the guy who replaced him, Elliot Parrish. So he also has had a pretty good statistical, uh, has, has a good statistical number since he's come in. He actually has the second best um, goals against minus expected goal difference in the league behind Manus. So he's uh, is third in the new model, but okay. Yeah. But Elliot Parrish, you know, uh, uh, Honorable mention. D- distribution also fine as well. Yeah, we, we can't measure that stats, so yeah, don't yeah. we don't It doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> Christopher Gallagher. Can definitely. you not come to me like I'm an afterthought, please? <laughs> can, you, can you maybe pick me? Don't worry, I'm going to come to you first from left back. You're last because yeah. you have the most heart. Thank, you know, thank <laughs> can't you. measure heart, though. Uh, yeah. Mine's is probably Joe Lewis at Aberdeen. Um, I, again, he's another guy who uh, every time I've seen him, obviously, you don't see every single team play every week you get to see highlights in sports scene and you know I know you guys look at statistics so you maybe build up a different picture but I'm, I'm talking from the heart here do you know what I mean and I'm talking every time I've seen Joe Lewis he's impressed me um, he's not as good as Gordon um, but he, put, he he pulls off saves that only Gordon could probably match in terms of uh, technique and skill of actually getting to into a specific position and he impressed me when Celtic beat Aberdeen 3-0 last season where they absolutely one of the best performances from Celtic uh, in a, a very long time 
uh, Joe Lewis was phenomenal in that game um, and he was pretty much the last man standing for Aberdeen and if it wasn't for him it was three going on about ten so yeah I'd, I'd, Joe Lewis impressed me what about um, the Rangers goalkeeper he what's his is, stats like he, they're not very good to be honest he's, he's not the worst but he's, he's towards the bottom end of the of the stat table going to left back um, Gal Dugaray put his uh, combined team of the year out on, on Twitter the, the other week uh, he managed to not put Carantini on left back and uh, Celtic Twitter rightly let him know what he he can do with that uh, choice your left back Scottish left back of the season so far uh, it's obviously Tierney it's obviously Tierney um, Tierney to me is not only the best left back in Scotland but People talk about who's the best player in Scotland. People talk about Dembele and, you know, he's done it in the Champions League. and Carl McGregor. <sighs> Awkward. End of pod. Thanks, guys. <laughs> People talk about Tierney. Um, <laughs> nah. Um, Carl McGregor might be in my team. I mean, he's fucking not, but he might be. <laughs> uh, no, Tierney, I think, um, is... Uh, when you watch a player and... You know, funnily enough, a guy in work today was talking about when he went to Hearts versus Tottenham, when the Tottenham team came out and the Hearts team came out, and as soon as the whistle went, Hearts looked like a pub team in comparison to Tottenham because Tottenham were like, you know, a well-oiled professional football team and unbelievable. People talk about the way PSG came to Parkhead. Tierney is, is like that in the SPL, um, at Scottish Premiership, sorry. He's so far, in my opinion, he's so far above everybody um, in terms of... How he reads the game, his technique, his—he's just—he's just a complete player. And uh, and when he when we play in the Champions League, although we do get stuffed, it's not his fault. Um, and he looks good. And uh, his his setup for the goal that uh, Griffith scored in Andelect was was terrific. So it's Kieran Tierney for me is the best player. And actually, I'm going to say I think Kieran Tierney is the best player in Scotland. Do you right to defend yourself? Well, I've actually put Tierney uh, at left back as well because I've slotted, spoiler alert, I've slotted um, Shinny into midfield. Um, I would I would agree, though, that Tierney is the best player in Scottish football. I think his understanding of the game, the quality of the crosses that he puts in, his yeah. recovery pace, it's the full package, and we haven't seen a player like that in Scotland in a long, long time. Um, so, yeah, fair play to him. Top player in Scotland. Yeah, great. Alex, I presume... I you also have same. Kieran Tierney at go. left back. Fucking right, you do. Well, <laughs> if I could put Cal McGregor there, and I thought about it, <laughs> I thought about it. He had a couple of very good games at left back this season. He actually, <laughs> um, he actually doesn't play bad at left he back. He doesn't at play all. bad at left back because <laughs> you know best player in Scotland. Um, so with Kieran Tierney again, his the delivery into the box, his crossing, the the choice of cross, I think, is something that yeah, maybe yeah. doesn't get mentioned. Variation of crosses oh, as well. Fantastic, yeah. the, the, especially the the low cut one back right through. into the penalty spot. Yeah, ah, ah, fantastic. Um, and just in general, how pivotal he's been to the way that Brendan Rodgers has wanted to play um, during his time in Scotland. So if you look at especially the not to get bogged down in the tactics minutia of it all, but um, if you look at the way that Celtic have changed. For, and during the game from a back four to a back three um, and the way they've done that and they've done that by bombing Kieran Tierney on almost as a left winger at times as is the sort of norm for that without Kieran Tierney's pace um, and without that sort of ability in the final third that's a completely um, uh, toothless tactic as it were Dougie in terms of Scottish Premiership as a whole 
how do you see the roles of the fullback? Are they mainly an offensive weapon, or is there still a lot of pureism going in and putting big lads in the, <laughs> and at the fullbacks as well? I would kind of say this is where the answer to this question is also what makes Kieran Tierney so special in that you've either got the attacking fullbacks, the James Taverniers, uh, Jason Naismiths. Um, or the just purely defensive guys. So it's kind of binary. You're either defensive or you're attacking. Currentini can do both, and that's what makes him so effective. And that's why you didn't put him in the <laughs> team of the year. Yeah. Uh, I Celtic does. <laughs> Matt, in terms of from a, a stats perspective, what have you looked at in terms of which stats do you pull out to see who's been the the best fullback? Well, Tierney's Tierney's my choice, and and he obviously has, yeah, we know. as Alex said, he has you know the attacking abilities. He's a very good passer. The stats rec- uh, agree with that. But I also looked at some of the defensive stats that we have. So looking at all out of all the whole league, um, Celtic actually concede the lowest percentage of any team of the expected goals that they've conceded. They concede the lowest percentage of any team from the left wing, and it's the same for the number of key passes that they've conceded from the left wing. So obviously. Tierney's the one, you know, on that side stopping it and and closing that down. So both the offensive and defensive numbers agree that that Kieran Tierney's the the best left back in Scotland, at least in my opinion. So I'm you can jump straight to your your foreign left back as well. Is is a clear choice for to Kieran Tierney in the combined team? So who's your uh, foreign no, left back? Uh, yeah, he's. De- I, I would definitely say he's definitely the pick for the the combined team. So this is. Well, I decide be- that. But okay, yeah. Thanks for confirming. Oh. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but but. In terms of the foreign team, um, I'm going to go ahead and wuss out of saying this guy's last name. And I'm just <laughs> going to call him Basque John from uh, Dundee. So looking at those same uh, defensive numbers that I was looking at for Tierney, um, Dundee have the third lowest percentage of key passes and third lowest percentage of, of expected goals coming from the left, where Celtic was first and, and Rangers was second. Uh, Dundee actually had the third third lowest and then looking at all the different foreign left backs that that I had at my choosing he actually had the highest expected assist per 90 minutes of any of the uh foreign left backs that I could choose from so that's who I went with with my choice Gal foreign left back <coughs> I didn't have a left back I went uh no you need to have a left back uh foreign left back come, yeah. b- come to me come back to me Doogie, you can pronounce his name yeah, Basque John um, yeah I did research this on online it's John Ortonecci I tried looking online, but <laughs> Wikipedia and Transfer Market didn't have a pronunciation guide, so I, I just went with Basque John. Basque John, yeah, that has a ring to it. But it's maybe a bit gone under the radar, or yeah, I guess, okay. On one hand, there are very few foreign left backs in Scottish but, football. What, what do you think it stands in terms of left backs overall? In, in terms of left backs in Scotland, yeah, I'd say he's average to high. Um, he's one of the better ones. Dundee haven't been fabulous this season. He's been um, a bright spot for them. He's functional, does his job reasonably well, and yeah, that, that qualifies him for my team. Can, can I jump in? Well, of you make a good point about Dundee not having a, a great season, but they have some really good individuals. Mm. Really, yeah, really good individuals. They've got the highest wage like bills in Scottish football. football. Do they? Yeah, I think it's something like fifth or sixth in the league. It's, it's right up there. Imagine if they had a proper manager. It, it's almost exactly. like the person in charge of Dundee doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Alex, you're good at pronouncing foreign name. Have you got anybody else at left back? Dun, uh, uh, John? I also have... Um, Spanish John, I've got, I've got Ortenchi, as that's that's my my contribution to the to the Basque cause, as it were. Mm. Um, 
but again, like I've only seen a a couple of Dundee games, but in both of them he's he's stood out as a as a fairly solid player, and he's fairly handy on the ball as well. Again, just what Carl's uh, mentioning there, there's some there are some good good players in that Dundee side, and whenever you've watched them, there's been there's been moments where they've threatened to play some some really really nice football. Um, I think there's a um, there's a clip going round of a goal that I think they scored against Partick. Um, fantastic and really, really top quality goal. Um, started from the back and they've managed to play their way all the way through. And for whatever reason, they haven't managed to. They haven't been able to sustain that over any period of time. Really, Gal, there's been three votes for for Basque John, so it doesn't really matter who you choose. But foreign left back, do you do you want to? I'll go with that guy as well. Okay, let's go for Declan uh, so John. Is Done. on the Done. Yeah. again. Yeah. With the yeah. on the John theme. Yeah. It's slightly funny. But okay. Yeah, uh, <laughs> better than some of your part to <laughs> yeah, be fair. That I'm, is on, fair. I'm on board with this um, I'll try again. Doogie. Centre backs. Could I have your two Scottish choices, please? So my two Scottish choices are Christoph Berra and Danny Wilson. Um <laughs> <laughs> well, you laugh. Danny Wilson <laughs> Christoph <laughs> Berra! <laughs> Fucking hell. Danny Wilson's terrific. <laughs> No, well, I think Berra, he's been getting a lot of praise this season, and rightly so. Doesn't isn't particularly good with the ball at his feet. It's very, very low risk. Small passes are boots it to um, fuck. As our hearts. Yeah, <laughs> I was trying to think of something else to say there. But you get the idea. He's quite limited in possession, but the way he can organise the defence, his aerial ability, um, his knowledge, instinctive knowledge about where the strikers are going to be. Hearts of the second best defence in the league this season. I think you can squarely put that down. To well, from goals conceded, but yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> um, but in, in terms of so you go with Barra instead of Suter. I know he's, he's played slightly yeah. more, but yeah, I mean, I guess they've both they've both done a good job. Suter certainly a bit more sophisticated in possession, but you look at the relationship between the two, and it's certainly Barra who's teaching Suter. Um, I thought that's why I'll give. I thought when Berra came in for the sort of second half of the Scotland's campaign under Gordon Strachan, the last campaign, I thought he was one of the reasons we actually came quite lo- close. Looked better mm-hmm. um, with him at, him at centre back. Definitely underrated. So, yeah, agreed. Would that be a? Like, who knows who's going to be the next Scotland manager? But keep the Berra and Suter partnership. You think is is Suter ready for that? I mean, he can't be much worse than. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess he can't be too much worse than the others. The only concern there is your next World Cups. Next European Championships two years away, and Berra's we've got the Berra's Nations held. Cup as well. The Nations Cup, yeah. But I mean, do you really want to start giving a run of games to a thirty-three-year-old centre back? Oh no, no. I, sorry, I thought you were talking about putting John Suter in. Yeah, but I, I'd be in favour of that. Why not? I mean, it's, it's only two years left until the the Euros, so yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd or Jack Hendry, he's another one. He's done really well this season. He'll be knocking the door soon enough. Yeah. I, I I won't make you defend why you got Wilson in, uh, <laughs> Alex. You you got you got somebody who do go mentioned there as well, don't uh, you? Yeah, I've got I've I've got Jack Hendry as my uh, as my right centre back here, um, with Danny Wilson as the left centre half. <laughs> Jack Hendry, <laughs> Danny Wilson is great though. I do yeah, like yeah. him, he's he's an excellent player. But again, like, I think this this sort of goes along with what I was saying about Dundee at times this season, where they have been they have threatened um, to really put together some some quite good football uh, and I think Jack Henry's been been important in that not to mention that he's he's a pretty solid defender as well doesn't doesn't tend to give much away so um, I was toying with the idea of putting Suter in there but I think that I really liked the the point that 
Doogie there made about Christoph Berra, and I think that is really, I think that his style there is really sort of indicative of what Hearts have been doing lately, especially under Levine, where it is very low risking with the ball, and it is uh, really centred around a, a great deal of defensive organisation and seeing how far that can take them. Um, so that could have also been a, a choice of mine, but uh, instead I've gone with with Henry. Gal, uh, Scottish centre halves. I've got uh, obviously Danny Wilson. Um, no, uh, I've got a uh, Jack Henry and uh, McKenna from Aberdeen. Um, Sorry, do you not think he's very good though? No, he's he's, he's a fine defender. Fine. Do you put the microphone close to your mouth? He's fine. What's your problem? It's just he's fine. Jenkins is good as Danny Wilson. No. <laughs> otherwise, 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 I'd have put him in my, I'd have put him in my, my team of the season. No, I mean, but I, 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 I do like him from what I've seen. Again, he's young, he's raw, he's same with Hendry. Hendry looks to be a better player. John Suter, I love. I'm, I'm a massive fan of John Suter. I think he's, I think he's going to be a top, top player. Um, he's a little bit too slow, which might hold him back a little bit. But he's intelligent. His position is really good. He's good with the ball at his feet. He looks like a genuine ball playing centre half. Um, but uh, I thought you'd all pick Suter, so I picked someone different, and I just went with McKenna. I've scored him out here, actually. I've scored him out here in favour of Henry. I've put Suter with a question mark. Question mark? Yeah. Question mark next to Suter. Keep an eye on Suter's brother, by the way, Harry Suter. He's yeah, down at Stoke. Stoke City, I think. Two metres tall. Two metres? Two metres tall. He's already made his debut in the League Cup. Yeah, so exactly. he's played first team. Um, Two metres tall. Two metres, that's ridiculous. It's a shame Pirelli's is not there anymore. Almost as tall as Matt. Yeah. Well, who's, well, Paul Lambert, you know. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like, although the, the first thing they did was bring in a centre half, but he uh, did that today. I thought mm-hmm. he signed uh, your man. Um, but I can't remember his name, that's why I said your man. Speaking of uh, very large human beings, Matt, uh, in terms of how you judged a centre half stat wise? So I'm, I'm, I'm going a bit off the board here. Um, I looked at the same numbers that I looked at for Tierney and uh, Bass John in terms of. Uh, the percentage of expected goals against and key passes a team has conceded. Um, and looking at centrally, uh, Rangers actually allowed the lowest percentage of their key passes and expected goals through the center. So I went with Ross McCrory, uh, young Ross McCrory. And then the third, the team with the third lowest percentage of key passes and expected goals against through the center was Kamarnock. Uh, so I went with old Gordon Greer. So Ross McCrory and old Gordon Greer as my uh, team of the year, or Scottish team of the year, central back pairing. That means, Matt, that Danny Wilson has two votes, and so has Jack Henry. So it's Danny Wilson and Jack Henry in our Scottish team uh, combined. Matt, um, we just need to move on from that really quickly. So can we get your foreign center backs, please? Sure. I went with uh, Derek Boyata and Cedric Kipre from Motherwell. That- uh, that's similar fine. numbers. Looking at the uh, similar numbers, as I did the rest of the defenders, they they performed well in that that instance. So you got Cedric and Dedrick, and as a centre back partnership, that would be a T shirt if they were on the same team. That's mine as well. There you go. That's Gals as well, Doogie. 
Four yeah. centre halves, uh, Christopher Ayer and who? <laughs> I, I would definitely put Ayer in the team had he had a wee bit, a few yeah, more he's games. Not, he's, he's not had enough games because I would have put him in ahead of Boyata. Nine this season in the league. Nine this season yeah. in the league. As, oh, we, oh. as we said, he's not yeah. had enough games. <laughs> just, just backing up your point with some statistical evidence. Yeah, you watch yourself, Paul. Um, but no, I think he's certainly shown he can do a lot. I think against Rangers, he was one of Celtic's best, better players, certainly. However, I have gone for Dedrick Boyata as one of my centre-backs. Um, I know a lot of Celtic fans think that he's a bit of a bomb scare, but he has made a lot of improvements in the technical side of his game recently. Um, he's attempted bringing the ball out from the back a bit more, with a bit more success. So, yeah, I'll give him some credit C- for that. Just, just can I jump in? Yeah. See when you say a bit more success? A bit more, as in he's not failing every single time. See, okay, fair enough. Cause see against Hearts when we lost 4-0. Yeah. He, he, I, is there a stat for um, being a shite bag, like expected shite bag? <laughs> because Dedrick Boyata, um, when Celtic are, you know, Celt- Dedrick Boyata, when he's under no pressure or under a little bit of pressure, is fine. When he's under a medicum of pressure, when it's when it gets to that point where people press him at any sort of height up the pitch, he chooses, make every single time, makes the wrong decision and he's a liability. Mm. So, so you mean when he is faced with unfavourable spatial temporal conditions? Remember, these are the tactics, guys. No, so no, there's no. not anything expected. It's just pretentious, uh, <laughs> usually German terms. Uh, we don't even know what these words mean. Good, good. It, it sounded fancy. Um, I'll make that the name of the pod. No, I won't. No one will download it. Um, <laughs> but no. So I mean, w- with Boyeta, I think uh, again, this comes from the point of he has all the tools and he can maybe go five or six games and, and look to it. Kind of like Effie Ambrose when he was at Parkhead. Yeah. But then any sort of pressure, his decision making becomes questionable and he just wants rid of the ball. He just wants rid of the ball and that's... Whereas Ayer looks composed and calm. Even when he's under pressure, he looks composed and calm and that's why when you look at Ayer and you look at every other centre-back Celtic have got he stands heads and, and he's only played I'm led to believe nine games this season nine games he's appeared in, in the league in the league because he played in the league, league cup lots against Kamarnock yeah lots as, as we mentioned Alex you're writing a, a long piece an analytic piece on uh, Christopher Ayer and the centre halves in, in the Scottish Premiership as a whole as well a little bit. yeah uh-huh. so I'm I'm looking at and particularly Ayer and particularly how um, how his skill set is used by Celtic um, how they make the most of it and how it sort of plays into into the context, the tactical context of the of the league. And the special context. The special and context. The special tempo. Special tempura chicken. Yes. Teriyaki and, and you sauce. can read that in the next uh, edition of the magazine, formerly known as the supplement. I was going to say, Doogie, your chicken cho- second choice is uh, Mr. <laughs> Ambrose. Cho- yeah, yeah, I give it to Effie, uh, Effie Ambrose. I think he's Hibs. Perfect. Been, hmm? Perfect for him. Perfect, yeah. Uh, when he's, again, he, like Boyata, he does have these bomb scare tendencies. However, when he's on form, hips are solid. Um, and, yeah, I don't. I think looking around the league, don't think there are many better foreign centre-backs, pound for pound. Alex, quickly, your choices? Uh, quickly, Boyata, uh, for as the reasons we've, we've stated already. Um, again, distribution much improved. Passing into midfield is miles better than it was. In fact, it was non-existent before. Uh, and I've I've gone with Ayer. I've become I've I've gone with him. I've uh, I've decided to appease our our dear leader. Um, 
the old damn cell, and I've I've gone with Big Christopher. He's sixty my ears. Yeah, we're, so. g- we're gonna have Alex on a lot more, aren't we, <coughs> in the next weeks? Um, four votes for Dedrick Bayata. Uh, it is Cedric Kipra who gets into the team with uh, two votes. So um, right back, Stoogie. Um, I come to you because um, you know how to pronounce French names, <laughs> and uh, your right back is. Well, my Scottish one is Chris Cadden. Oh! So I can say Chris Cadden. Oh. Chris Cadden. Of course. No, but he, to be fair, he's not really a right back. He's just been kind of lumped with the whole right side by Motherwell this season. And he's done a decent job. He's one of the league's top creators. Um, and the shift that he puts in week in, week out, his recovery pace, um, yeah, can definitely get into my team. Do you have a foreign one? Um, James Tavernier oh. but you know, I think looking at him he's certainly Gals uh, another look of disgust over to the yeah. tactics couch um, is that really how you pronounce his name because I've never heard any, any <laughs> this isn't anybody like Matt this is Doogie Wright no so slight tangent here I did French up until I was like 22 of course you did and so every a lot of verbs in French end like manger tweet uh, it's manger but you know you know his so English Tavernier it's English no hmm he is English. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's from yeah, he's Bradford. Last <laughs> <laughs> year of French culture. Exactly, of course. But no, his timing his runs a lot better. He's a lot less naive than he was last season. Oh, I, I was going to say, in terms of his his, his obvious offensive qualities, he's, he's very high on, on in terms of the stats, unexpected assists and assists mm-hmm. in general. But it's is the allegations or accusations against him has always been his dis- defensive work. Mm-hmm. Has that improved under... First Pedro and now uh, Mr. Merkley? Well, it's certainly been covered a lot better by the guys in midfield. Um, so they have to run more? Yeah, yeah, basically to cover for him. But I think particularly at Parkhead, he was immense. Um, he was all over the place. In a good way. Yeah, yeah in, the, in a good way. Um, and I think that's characteristic of his improvement this season. So yeah, he goes into my team. Alex Lawrence. I right also back. have Tavernier. As my as my right back, a more conventional uh, pronunciation, um, but yeah, I think especially when you look towards that, when you look at that uh, that game at Parkhead on the thirtieth of December, he was outstanding in that game in every sense. Um, was a real, real big fan of 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 his play in that game. Um, did some really cool things as well that I didn't think he was particularly capable of but again big fan of that um, and again his performances all season is like you said his chance creation for Rangers has been has been really strong been really important um, and his work with Candias as well has been one of the better things they've done this season you're a Scottish right back I've also gone with Chris Cadden um, again <clears throat> just how important he's been for been for Motherwell this season Um for a young guy, I think he's only what twenty one. I think twenty one, twenty two. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, for a young guy, I know he's been playing right wing back more so than right back, but he's been really, really important, especially for them going forward. And uh, his delivery into the box has been has been good whenever I've seen him play. So he gets into he gets into my squad. Matt, no surprises in terms of your right back. So the four and one, yeah, I'm going with uh, Tavernier. Well, <laughs> as well, uh, he is. Third in expected assists in the whole league. Uh, fourth in expected assists per key pass. So he's making dangerous passes when he does get forward. Uh, but for the foreign uh, right back, I went with Jason Naismith. No, of, you got that uh, the wrong way around, Matt. But what's that? <laughs> yeah, your foreign one is oh, is, 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 is Tavi Anair. Yeah, I mean, uh, um, 
Sorry. Yeah. I was just gonna just yeah. gonna stop you because there's well for for us stat nerds anyway. There's there's a little interesting battle within the league in compared to Tierney and Tavernier in terms of who creates the most, um, and they're pretty close, aren't they? Yeah. So they they, they both are definitely two of the better passers and, and creators in the league overall, but they have both play play fullbacks. It just kind of shows what they mean to their team and, and how both their teams play uh, to have such good attacking numbers from, from the back like that. And Scottish right back, Stephen Naismith, that's a brave choice. So yeah, I, I went with uh, Jason Naismith actually. <laughs> um, he, he had the best expected assists uh, of any player, any right back who wasn't Tavernier. And looking at the defensive stats, Ross County have the fourth best percentage of key passes and expected goals, um, the fourth lowest coming from the right wing. So I went with that, uh, went with him for my uh, Scottish right back. Christopher Gallagher? Uh, I went with uh, Kerr at Dundee. Um, again, coming back into the whole idea of Dundee having lots of good players, but not necessarily a good team or developed well. Again, this comes from I, the few times I've seen seen them play. He's quite aggressive. Um, his use of the ball is pretty good. And uh, when I saw him, uh, when I saw Dundee at Parkhead last season, uh, or sorry, the start of this season. Uh, kept the shape very well. Um, they worked really well as a unit. Him and Hendry, I thought, were, were terrific. Um, and yeah, care every time I've seen him again. It just impressed me. Uh, and Michael Lustig is the best right back in Scotland. Of course, he is. so uh, weirdly, he, he doesn't make the team. Uh, it's uh, Chris Cadden in the Scottish team and uh, James Javier on the foreign team. Um, we're going to move on to to midfield because we spent about forty minutes on on the defence, but. And this maybe you could talk a little bit about how you, you set up your team as well. So I've given you the choice of either having two central midfielders and two wingers or three central midfielders and something weird out on top. So, Dougie, in terms of your central midfielders in the Scottish one? Uh, yeah, I've gone for? From, for three centre mids. I've gone for um, Graham Shinney, Greg Doherty and Scott Brown. Um, yeah, I think talk talked through them quickly. Shinney's the ultimate Scottish football player. He's um, very, very athletic. He closes down quickly. He's all about passion and he organises his team well. And yeah, you can joke that that's like dad patter, like organising the team well and all that passion, heart commitment. But these things ultimately do make a difference and I think you can see that in Aberdeen's play. Greg Doherty's come on leaps and bounds this season. It's certainly been a breakthrough year for him. Um, his understanding off the ball is particularly good. He's always making runs into space and um, his combination plays quite good. Alex will talk to you all about third man running, but he's one for that. He's really good at that. And finally, Scott Brown, still the king of the midfield in Scotland. He's on his day, he's unbeatable. His aggression, his passing range is closing down. Yeah, he's the man to beat. Do you think, um, we've discussed this on, on, on the pod quite a bit, being being a predominantly Celtic pod, but you, what, how do you rate Brown's season this season compared to last season, which was agreed to be maybe one of his best ever in the, in the Premiership? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't actually think his performance has necessarily dipped that much. He had an off game against Hearts, so did the whole Celtic team. But, um, yeah, I guess maybe it's a byproduct of Celtic not winning as many games um, this season as they did last season. But I think in terms of what Brown's doing on the pitch, I don't. maybe he's a little bit more reluctant to dominate the game um, and have the ball as much as he was last season. But I think that's marginal. I think he's done a pretty good job all in. 
a lot of talk around Doherty and maybe an interest from from Rangers as well. You think that would be a good move for him? Yeah, um, he's a better version of Jason Holt, I would say. I can is is there any verse version? <laughs> Callum McGregor. Oh, oh hey, no, I don't say that. <laughs> oh, dear. No, no, no. I, I, I can't. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, I, I do like Greg Doherty as a as a player, and I think he can fit in quite well to Rangers' system. You don't really know how they're going to play um, going forward under Marty, especially with the signings that they've made. However, he fit, he's a flexible player. Box-to-box midfielder is going to get a game in most sides, and, yeah, I think he would do well there. Gal, um, Scottish central midfielders. I think I know one of them. I'm going four four two. That's how we play football, pal. And that's how, when you know, good enough for Scotland to be terrible yeah. in the seventies. Good enough for me. Uh, Brown, McGinn, Forrest, and Christie. Okay, I just asked for your central ones, but that's fine. Uh, Brown and McGinn. It, it, if there's somebody we talked a lot about on on these podcasts, it is uh, John McGinn. Still want Celtic to buy him? Um, I think he's better than Armstrong. I think he's better. That well, I mean, so Celtic need what four central midfielders? In essence, we've got Browning and Cham, who I think are both terrific. Kuasi seems to be. I think they're they're saying he's going to go out on loan. Uh, Armstrong looks to be done at Parkhead. Uh, McGregor is very versatile and can play in lots of different positions. Uh, very well. Rogic looks to be again back on the sort of injury table uh, meh McGinn for me I think potentially could obviously he's not going to go he probably I think Brown and, and Cham looks to be you know pretty terrific at this point in time on form but and Cham got time I'd, I'd, um, McGinn would need time to develop and to make mistakes and get mistakes out of the system and to realise the pressure playing for... I mean, already, I'm sure he knows the pressure playing for Celtic, but you know, there's a difference between being a fan and actually doing it on the pitch. But yeah, I would definitely buy him again. I think he's terrific. He should be playing for Scotland. Matt, um, Gal mentioned Stuart Armstrong there. Uh, if only there was somebody who'd written a, a piece on Armstrong from, from a stats <laughs> point of view, uh, comparing this season to the last one. Do you know anybody who's done that? Uh, actually, I do. Yeah, there's this great website called the Backpass Rule. That their their last article that was that was what it was about. And from that article, uh, I I decided to put Stuart Armstrong in my uh, Scottish team of the year. But along to so so Gall doesn't get too too upset. I also did put John McGinn in that central midfield spot as well. Uh, both have great expected assist numbers so far. Uh, McGinn has second highest expected assist numbers and the highest expected secondary assists. Uh, but just mentioning Armstrong, uh, I, I looked at his passing numbers last year and this year, and his expected assists per 90 are actually up this year. His expected assess- secondary assists are up this year. So I think really a lot of it, him getting a lot of grief, is just he hasn't been able to keep the same goal-scoring pace that he did last year. But the, looking at the expected goals numbers last year for him, it just was an unsustainable goal-scoring pace. So it's really not a surprise that he's not able to score as much this year, but his passing numbers, his underlying passing numbers have been just as good. Gal, is that why Stuart Armstrong is not getting as much love this year? Because he hasn't scored spectacular goals, but he's actually really good and he's creating a lot? Um, has expected to pass the ball randomly to the opposition under absolutely no fucking pressure um, is really, really high. It's high, high. Um, no, listen, you know everyone knows how much <laughs> I really, really wanted Stuart Armstrong to succeed, and he was. It was phenomenal last season. Um 
but it did only really kick off uh, towards the end of October. Um, so it really was only about six months, uh, and he was injured for about a month of that as well. I, I, when he's on form, he looks like a really... He looks like the absolute perfect answer for Celtic uh, in Europe, and he looks like perfect exactly what Scotland needs in terms of running on beyond, you know, running beyond the strikers, goals from midfield, uh, energy. But when he's off form, he's an absolute liability. And in Europe, he's, for Celtic, he's been pretty embarrassing to be honest and he's been losing a lot of his pals GMS going the summer Eric going now it's uh... I think Stuart Armstrong I think is the type of guy who has a plan to play football for a certain amount of time to me this might seem harsh but I don't necessarily think he has necessarily the passion to play football I think he is good at it but I don't necessarily think he's got the passion that you know he you know, do anything to be a professional footballer. I just does think that, does that passion goes into the hair instead. The passion goes into the hair. Um, I'm sure he's listening to some some really decent music, uh, but not good enough. You know, what I mean, it's like that's bottom level of indie. You know, you're uh, a Bon Iver or that pish when Aye. he should be listening to like you know Bright Eyes and you know the kind of good stuff and the uh, car seat headrest. Alex, in, in terms of musical preferences, who do, who do you choose for the Scottish central midfielders? Um, Hopefully not Bright Eyes, Jesus. <laughs> Fuck up, you. Well, I was, I was uh, again, I was quite pleased that Gal mentioned the car seat headrest. Um, oh, good. Yeah, Terrific. Again, uh, some oh, yeah. more. Some the more, temporal uh, space when he's on stage is sensational. Oh, and, and spatial as well. Spatial. So, 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 so spatial. Okay, give us your names. Um, I've got Scott Brown. Uh, duh. Um also have John McGinn. Oh lovely. And I have Cal McGregor as my number ten. I don't know if you want number tens yet. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's fine. I have Cal McGregor as my that. number ten. Although ideally if I could have him as a number eight and as a left back as well, oh, I would probably on, have that also. Um What genuinely right. Yeah. Why do you love him so much? Like I think you do I think, love him a lot. I, like I think I think he's 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 a valuable member of the Celtic squad, right? Okay, yep. He absolutely is. Uh-huh. However, when Celtic have every one of the players fully fit, he doesn't start. And it's, it's not just you, Alex. All the hipster tactical hipsters love him. Yeah. Why is that? He he doesn't start if everyone's fit. He 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 shouldn't be starting. And he, that's just he makes the game so easy for everybody else. I think that's something that he's a type of player that. In Scotland, we don't see a lot of. In Spain, they have yeah, them. True, in yeah. Spain, they have them everywhere. In fact, in Spain, he would be washed away. He'd be a second division player because he's not physically spectacular. Technically, he's fine, and he has days where he does stupid things, like against Rangers when he decided that every time he got the ball, he was going to shoot from thirty-five yards for no apparent reason. Um, but so it's the way that he simplifies the game, and he uh, for for his teammates, I think that's the the key distinction there. Um, the way that he sort of. The way he facilitates the game, and it's, it's, a, bit it's a very logical way of playing football, right? Uh-huh. Always the best option. Yeah, uh-huh. he always makes sure that he is. Except ready. when he's playing for Scotland against Holland, and he just gives the ball away, and it costs us the goal, and then we lose, and then we drop points, and the FIFA rankings, and then we can't get into the, the next pot for qualifying, and then it's all his fault. What about that? Ah, but fuck Scotland, took <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, But it's the on a sort of more somber point, the um, sober point rather, uh, the. <laughs> Sorry, the yeah, it's just the way that he makes the game so much more. I thought you were going to make a else. drink driving 
jokes there, but okay. No, 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 not even. Uh, Why not would even you ever make a drink driving joke? Not, not <laughs> even a not, not even a car seat headrest drink driving drink driving joke. Oh, that's that's perfect. Um, um, so <laughs> just saying two things. It's <laughs> <laughs> not a joke. It's not. Sorry, go on. Um, but yeah, especially I mean, whenever his teammates get the ball, he's already there. He's there. He's ready for it. You can see him as well. You can see how often he adjusts his position. It's the difference between him and Stuart Armstrong. Is that when Stuart Armstrong, when you just watch Stuart Armstrong on the pitch, you'll see him move from point A to B, and he'll move from point A to B regardless of what happens on the ball, regardless who's got the ball or who's doing what. Whereas with Cal McGregor, you can see that he's always assessing what's the best option for him, where's the best place he should be. Yeah. Um, when that ball goes from Bayat out to Kieran Tierney, where should he be? How should he position his body? Should he actually move out the way so that someone else can get on it? Um, which is, again, something that Scottish players tend to tend to lack. That sort of, uh, can, I, can I jump in quickly? Yeah. Why did Gordon Strachan leave him at the Scotland squad? Because he doesn't love us as much as I do. But Maybe. do you think? Do you think if if he came in early, then you know because he is quite cool under pressure at times. Yep. He does carry the ball really well. Uh, um, he makes the right decisions. If if he was playing in uh, the last couple of games, do you think it would have made a difference? I think it's, it's obviously it's difficult to say, especially because Matt Phillips, for example, uh, in those two games was atrocious. So I think a lot of it will come down to. I think the way that Brendan Rodgers plays, sets his Celtic team up, it suits Cal McGregor very much because the type of football that Cal McGregor excels at and the type of things that he does well at yep. is the type of thing which Brendan Rodgers is asking him to do all the time. Um, so stuff like be available for the player with when they receive it, try to get the ball in between the lines, look for the player in between the lines, um, try to make sure that you're not blocking any longer passes so that that pass can go directly into the striker and then you can run and make a yeah. make a, an option for a layoff or whatever. Whereas just maybe Gordon Strachan wouldn't be looking so much for that. Maybe he would be looking for something else. And I, I do think... Height. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Genetics. Um, so but it's, it's that, that you mentioned it, it's something that has come up and... The the fact that he isn't really outstanding physically, um, he isn't particularly strong or he isn't hugely quick either. He isn't tall and is, is he handsome enough to be a cultural midfielder? Again, like you see that Stuart Armstrong might keep him out of the team with the hair, and I think that sometimes maybe it's the hair factor as well. So no, uh, it, I mean the, the the McGregor discussion is probably something we're going to keep having here uh, as well, especially. We get into the European games for Celtic uh, and so on. Uh, but your three or two cultured foreign central midfielders, Alex? Uh, I've gone for uh, Levine Cham. Again, I think that he's been the, the standout foreign midfielder uh, over the course of this season so far. And maybe a, a renegade pick considering how long he's been in the league. Um, but Yusuf Malumbu. I think in the short time that he's been, he's in, made a huge difference. He has been he is. outstanding, and he is head and shoulders above. As watching the Kelly Rangers game, he was probably the best player on the pitch. Certainly, from the I sort of flew through it, watching it at twice speed. Um, but he was something else in that game, just in terms of how composed he is on the ball he doesn't particularly look he never looked in England he never looked to be a technical player and even in Scotland he doesn't look to have the ball under control all the time but no one else can get it off him and he makes good decisions and he's always there he's ready to, uh, to press and he presses really well and he obviously tackles fantastically and he's really difficult to, to get away from or to get the ball off uh, so I think in that regard he's away, he's away after he's only got a six month deal doesn't he 
probably. But, uh, yeah. It's just to the end of the season, unfortunately. Uh, I think if Rangers were smart, they would oh, certainly. see if they could get him. Because he's a, he's a genuine quality player. Yeah, uh, uh, again, it kind of shows maybe the, the gulf maybe where we're at now between the English Premier League and here. If a player like Yusuf Malumbu is coming down, oh, like, all respect to him in England, he wasn't pulling up trees for being a, a cultured... Um, a culture ball player, and yet he's coming here, and he's not he's not giving the ball away at all, and he's really um, improved, helped yeah. improve his team. But, but still, I mean, as you say, coming from the Orange Ball, obviously, you know, thirty six caps for, for um, Congo as well. Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. so I mean, it's, it's always there, a, a player in. There. Oh, certainly, uh uh-huh, certainly. And you, your last choice, or do you stick with two or three? Uh, I went for Josh Windass as well. Okay, in number ten, centrally eight, um, as a ten. As a, a ten, okay. yeah. As a ten, Josh um, Windass is an eight. Sounds really fun. Uh, it, it certainly would be. I think that Matt will attest to that somehow. <laughs> I, have, I have a sneaky feeling, um, but yeah, I think that I've got to stick him in there somewhere, especially how he's been playing recently. And um, a ten is kind of where he fits so far. Doogie, Lumbo um, and Cham is, is getting some love from you as well. Yeah, I really like what. Cham's been doing at Celtic. I think he was particularly good. Celtic at Parkhead against Anderlecht had a pretty miserable first half, and he came on for the second. And he showed he was the only one to show yeah. a bit of composure on the ball, playing all the right passes. He's going to use the term metronomic. I think he can dictate the pace of the game really, really well, and he just looks a level above. Um, second one I also went for Malumbo. Yeah, I think he's kind of like you know if you start a new job and if somebody sits next to you. You're struggling, with everything. Yeah. <laughs> you're struggling with everything you don't know the shortcuts and then there's this guy next to you who just knows all the wee small things that's literally me now yeah. <laughs> but Malumbu is that as Alex was saying he knows all the little things to do to make it difficult to, for opponents to get the ball off him he knows where the ball is going to be um, in the next five seconds and he can get there whether in or out of possession he does a lot of things that a lot of Scottish Premiership players don't understand. And, yeah, he's only played a few games, but he's obviously made such a great difference to that Kelly team, so he goes right in there. In terms of Sham, like, is he the player a lot of Celtic fans hoped and thought he'd be in terms of his... Do you see him having the potential to, you know, one day play, you know, in a, you know to be the kind of... have a career path to say, uh, you know, um, somebody like Wanyama or Van Dijk had? Yeah, I mean, I think... How old was Wanyama when he came to Celtic? What, 20 or something like that? I think he was 19. 19, 20. Cham was 20, I think he's only 20, 21 now. Yeah. I, think he's 20, yeah. I think he's just on 22, no? 22 the other day. Oh, he maybe, was born maybe, in 96, maybe, wasn't he? Maybe, so, maybe yeah. Um, yeah, he's still really young. He's still at that age. You kind of see a lot of English Premiership clubs will stop looking around at these developmental leagues like Scotland when players reach 23, 24. So he's got a couple of seasons to consolidate himself in Scotland. He's adapted to straight away. So if he can take it to the next level domestically and continue to impress in Europe, then sure, I can definitely see Southampton coming in for him. <laughs> he'll be yeah, he'll be twenty two next month. Um, your third choice is somebody I, I I'm a big fan of uh, as well. It's a Finnish player. Yeah, Glenn Kamara um, came oh. through the Arsenal academy. Uh, he's kind of like this <laughs> typical Arsenal player, really really silky on the ball, makes all the right moves, but is absolutely horrendous when not in possession. But that shouldn't make up for what he has brought to the Dundee midfield. We've gone on to this team several times today about how Dundee have good individuals but not a great team. Um, it's, yeah. it's like you need some sort of central person to, to bring put, it put that together, together and, and tell like them a how manager, to do that. perhaps. No, no, yeah. a pundit. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> that's a good segue. Um, I'm going to leave Matt to the end because his choices are 
crazy. But Bogel, are you just foreign? Uh, um, I don't usually like this foreign muck, to no, be honest. Fair enough. Uh, Brexit. Brexit. Like, not your forefoot, <laughs> no. Brexit means Brexit. Yeah. That's true, it, it does, because it's just the same word repeated. Um, <laughs> Kamara and Cham, is it just the two that's sitting? Or? I, you choose. Uh, I went with Kamara and Cham, and I've just still stuck Rogic in there, because I think even oh, though he's, yeah, not, that's allowed. he's not featured much this season, he's still the best um there's not many people in scotland like him i think he brings something to to celtic that other than pat roberts that you know a creative spark that is on unparalleled injured again Rodrigue. no that's i mean no like when he's when he's fully fit he's yeah. i mean if you look at the cup final last year um he didn't necessarily have a particularly good game but he's a match winner um when he came on against kilmarnock under ronnie's last season oh, where he yeah. picked the ball up and you know, he scored from about 35 yards out. He's he's a match winner. He sees things that other players don't. However, he's made of glass, it appears. And that's the kind of big issue. Do you think, maybe too easy, but some of, not Celtic's troubles, but they haven't been as good as last season. Rodrigo did play a, a larger role. So did, Rob- so did Roberts. True. So we've lost... Bit of creativity. What we need to remember is, from a Celtic point of view, is we've lost two of our most creative players in Roberts and uh, Rodrigo. Armstrong is not anywhere close to the... Armstrong scored, what, 15 goals last season? By this time last season, I think Armstrong was at least in double figures. Hmm. Um, and how many goals is he? I don't even... What, two or three this season? At most? He's Albeit the, the one at Part- the one that he scored against Partick a couple of weeks ago was quite something. Um, but yeah, he hasn't scored a, he hasn't scored a huge amount. Yeah, yeah he's scored less goals. Yeah. He's got two goals. Yeah. Two goals. Uh, um, um, sorry. No, no, there you go. No, That's uh, the choices. So, is, uh, yeah, go on. Um, Matt, I mean, you, you've kind of just taken the piss here with your your, your central tree. Uh, what, what have you done? Well, you know, after I, I looked at the stats, looked at mostly the attacking stats, and you know, put my my uh, a midfield three together because you know it's the foreign team, so it's none of that you know four four two hard Brexit stuff. It's a I'm going with a four three three here. Uh, and once I picked my three, I realized that wow, they're going to give up five goals probably if they played together, but they'd probably score six themselves. So uh, in the middle, since we're, we start off centrally, I, the only central midfielder kind of player that I picked was uh, Joss Windass. He is uh, second in our combined expected goals, expected assists, and expected secondary assists in the league, meaning he's contributing on all fronts. And then the other two midfielders I picked were uh, Scott Sinclair and uh, Daniel Candeas from Rangers. Uh Sinclair is second in what? expected goals in the league. He I know, is, uh, I know. 16th in expected assists and fourth know, in expected goals, expected assists, and expected secondary assists in the league. While Candias is uh, first in <laughs> expected assists. So really, I'm picking the uh, leaders in the uh, attacking metrics in the league. Matt, this is a very like your, your stereotypical American uh, football fan team, and you just put six uh, attackers in, but. Matt, Matt, right, like Matt, fantasy, <laughs> fantasy football team. Yeah, yeah. Matt, can I ask you something about the Candias um, sure. inclusion? What? <laughs> I he he is far and away the the expected assist leader in the league. I mean, he um, looking at the numbers now, trying to find them. He has an expected assist total of uh, seven point five. McGinn is next at five point seven in the league. He's got. I believe he has the most uh, assists in the league as well. So he's he, he's really you know a creative player, an attacking player. And not to step on uh, Alex's tactical 
tactical acumen, but I thought the last game there against Celtic, he he really did a good job pressing Celtic. You, you talked about Boyata's ability to pass when being pressed, and I thought Candeas did a really good job, you know, forcing Celtic's back line into some mistakes passing the ball. Uh, the, to, to be perfectly honest, what I would say, though, um, you make a really interesting point, but he's shite. <laughs> Let, let, let's get on to that because we've got <laughs> yes. some other people coming having Kandias um, chat later on. So that is the central midfielders. Um, in terms of who we're going to put in the combined team, uh, I'm going to go and decide this, the Scottish team is going to do 4 4 2 because they're Scottish. Um, so in the 4 4 2 for the Scottish combined team, you've got Scott Brown and John McGinn. Of course you do. And in you the <laughs> foreign team, obviously, a bit more. Cultured. Four uh, four, three, three, three central midfielders. Uh, the most votes for Champ. It goes in. We have two votes each for Malumber, Windas, and Kamara. Uh, I get the deciding vote, and I'm going to put uh, Gilson. Yeah. yeah, let's put Kamara in. Yeah. I, I think it's got to be Kamara, and I'll tell you why. Okay. Because I fucking say so. so Fair it's enough. It's a Celtic and podcast. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's your house. So. Uh, no, well, well, what I would say is, uh, yeah, as I say, like podcast one of no fucking right. If you pick Boyd, <laughs> by the way, see if you pick Boyd. Uh, I don't want to give any spoilers. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just start scoring out stuff now. <laughs> no, but see, you know, obviously we're not at strikers yet, but there are such a lack of Scottish strikers in yeah. the, the Scottish Premier League. Yeah. It's unbelievable. It's Premiership. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah. Um, moving on. Christopher Gallagher. Hi. Um, in terms of your wide players, then you don't like Candeas, apparently. Uh, no, I just don't think he's very good. Um, okay. Well, who, who's your wide players? Your wingers. Your wide. My players? Scotch wide players. Scottish one. Scottish one. Uh, I've went with uh, Christie and Forrest. Okay. Um, Forrest is probably going to get Player of the Year. Uh, you think? I think so. Mm. I think he's probably the most improved player in Scotland. I still, he still frustrates the living. Christ out of me. Certainly improved a huge amount. Huge, uh, huge amount this if year. If you look at his stats, they're probably really good because <laughs> I've not. Sure, but, yeah. me neither. But no, yeah. but no. I, I, okay, well, you know, let me put it. Put it as someone who's I'm not actually a fan of James Forrest, oddly enough, but um, his performance against Bayern Munich is oh, the yeah. best performance a Scottish player's had in a European game, just all round. If, you know, other than let's say, other than Scott Brown, because last season he was terrific and it was yep. good this season. But James Forrest actually took players on at the highest level against Bayern Munich and beat them. And his final ball was good, and he used the ball really, really well. And it was an absolute joy. His pass for McGregor for for the for the goal yep. Yep. was sensational, fantastic. And don't get me wrong, it's the whole whole adage that he's a winger, so you know, form kind of goes up and down. That's acceptable, but he he he's doing stuff this season that I, I've not seen him do. He's still inconsistent, of course, but he scored a lot of goals. He's already beat last season's goal scoring uh, total. Um, so yeah, him uh, he's he's one of my players, and uh, Christie would be the other because Christie, I just think just is class. I think he's class. Do get, let's take with Scottish ones because I, uh, I got a feeling you got some yeah. of the fam- same opinions here. <laughs> yeah, I put Christian Forrest. Um, Forrest, I think maybe I think it's fair to say he's probably underrated by well, Celtic sport and wider Scottish football. He's what turns twenty seven this year, and he's 
250 odd appearances for Celtic and you don't get that unless you're a very good player yeah um, yeah technically he's his running style is really cool isn't he <laughs> it's mad he it's 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 odd he yeah. runs with his arms up and is it's like a it's like a, a mix between Craig Bellamy and a uh, Wurzel Gummidge. Like it's just <laughs> this just bizarre sort of spaghetti monster. Without, spaghetti monster. With, without going on too much about him, Cal McGregor's running style yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. Cal, yeah. So uh, there's something that's happening at Lennox at, at Lennox Town at Barfield in the Ministry Celtic Academy runs. where they're promoting <laughs> this. It's the Ministry of Funny Runs. Yeah, as it were. You sure. just literally just said he said that a second ago. Did you see the Ministry of Ah, uh, but it's fine. Oh, I didn't hear I, I guess you are you going to say Forrest and Christie as well, uh, Alex? Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, yeah. Matt, let's just jump onto you then. <laughs> Come on, somebody else. Who do you having? Sorry, I'm going to have to disappoint you and say it's I have Forrest and Christie as well, and just they've statistically been two of the better better players this season. I mean, James Forrest is a funny one in a stat point of view because he usually gets a lot more assists. Than expected ones, at least last season. How's 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 his stats this season? So this season he's been really statistically he's been pretty consistent all around. Um, he he's tenth in expected assists, twentieth in expected goals. So you expect actually you'd expect him to have a few more assists than he has, but he's he's overperforming his expected goals by a lot. He's got seven goals and he's only got an expected uh, expected goals of a uh, four point one eight. So. It, it might be a case kind of like Armstrong last year where you probably can't expect him to continue that goal-scoring pace. But to have seven goals already, I mean, I, I think he's, he – I don't know if he's ever had that many before. If he has, it hasn't been that many more goals than he has already this season so far. And, and Gal was talking a little bit about – Just uh, just with the microphone. Oh, sorry, Gal. Um, he was talking a little bit about earlier about, about Christian Household Aberdeen fans – see him and ever since Christie went on loan to Aberdeen in was it the winter window last yeah, last, year. last season yeah. his stats Matt, uh, Matt is uh, really quite impressive yeah so he he is fourth in expected assists um, he's kind of one again where you'd expect him to have only two assists, assists but he has. His, his strikers have kind of let him down I, I don't think many of the uh Aberdeen strikers are very good. Stevie May is okay, but Adam Rooney is kind of getting up there in years. Um, but he's got an expected goals of 4.32 this season or 0.25 per 90. So those are pretty impressive numbers for a guy, for someone on loan who's who's a little bit younger. He's kind of been the main attacking force for Aberdeen this season. So that's um, two easy choices for the Scottish team, Forrest and Christie. Now, Doogie, again, on, on your Twitter team, of the year, you had uh, the audacity to put Daniel Kandayas in front of James Forrest. Yeah. You did um, defend yourself. Again. Yeah, so, like Matt and Christian, um, and a good few others, I take um, data from Stratabet and look at how well, that We did it first, but that's, hmm? that's, that's fine. We hmm. did it first. But yeah, 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 yeah. You guys did it fine. So, one thing that I was looking at was how many times a player can get the ball into the middle of the box without the player who receives the ball being pressured. So you'd think these are golden goal-scoring opportunities. Now, Daniel Candias gets two of these per game. Two of these per game. And the next one's Chris Cadden, who's only got one per game. And third, fourth, fifth, or sixth is all le- way less than one a game. So he does, his delivery is absolutely top class. The pace that he puts in the ball, the curve he puts in the ball. Rangers are lucky to have him, definitely. But you like him 
defensively as well. Defensively, yeah, he's really a great. Alex made a really good point the other week in that good dribblers tend to also be good closers down because they can understand the body shape of the guy that are closing down, what they're going to do with the ball, where they're going to put it. And Candias is like that. You saw there was a minute, I think it was after about 20 minutes at Parkhead when. He, was it Bayata gave the ball he didn't give the ball away he started passing backwards and Kendi oh, chased the first guy down and then the second guy and then the third time and then Rangers got a break I think it went to Windass and he fluffed it but that came from Kendi's pressing which was relentless throughout the match and it's been relentless throughout the season um, yeah the opposition left backs never really had a second to breathe when Kendi's has been closing him down and yeah I think he's he's another one who's been largely underrated in Scotland this season I mean, Matt, we, we kind of touched upon it earlier, but his Candace's stats are, you know, I mean, <laughs> they're sensational. There's, there's no other word for it. Yeah, he, he, like I said, he has by far and away the, the best expected assist numbers in Scotland this year so far. Uh, I mean, no one's even really close. So it just kind of goes along with what he was saying in terms of his, his distribution. He's, he's setting up dangerous shots. He, he has an expected assist total of 0.75. And when you look at his expected uh, assist per key pass he makes, it's a 0.17. So kind of to break that down, that just means he's creating dangerous chances when he makes passes. And, and he's setting up chances that are better for his teammates than other players in the league. Matt, I'm not going to ask you for your for your winger choices because you've got three strikes. Choice. But... but um... But Bagal, you, you, do you want to weigh in? Do you with, want with you, what? With uh, your, your your foreign uh, wide midfielders? Um, it's not going to be Candeas, one of them. Mines are are Sinclair and Boyle from Hibs. I don't know how that does from a stats point of view, but uh, I'm picking Boyle from, not from Glasgow. I thought he was Irish, you know? <laughs> no, yes, right. he's Irish. Martin Boyle. Aye, no, he's not. Yes, he is. Oof. Wait, hang on, quick Google, yeah, quick Google. Well, we're googling the ethnicity of uh, Sinclair's been Sinclair has been disappointing this season, but he's still one of the best uh, players in in Scotland. There's no question. Google says Boyle Scottish. I thought he was Irish. Oh, there you go. Okay, I'll give you some time to find another one uh, if, if you want to. His, his Wikipedia says he was born in Aberdeen. Oh, so not Glasgow. Oh, well, Martin Boyle. Nah, he's That's Irish. Him. Get an Irish name for fuck's sake! But it, it, has it been capped for anybody yet? It's been capped, probably been capped for Ireland. To be honest with you, but Scotland U sixteen, two caps. Right, all right, quite fucking down here. <laughs> to be fair, uh, no. Uh, okay, so I'll uh, obviously still Sinclair is probably the, still the best way I got, and it's probably Candias. If I'm honest with you, he's probably oh. my uh, my. I say fuck. <laughs> uh, give me, give me a minute. Okay, Alex. Well, Gal, takes a minute. Uh, I've gone your four and wide midfielders. I've oh, gone wingers. for uh, Candias on the right, <clears throat> and I've gone for Jordan Jones on the left of Kamarnik. I think that again, when especially when I've uh, spoke about Alan Manis and Chris Cadden, Jones is one of these players who's been really, really important for for Kamarnik this season and most of the good things that they've done all year, not just in the Steve Clark. Um, um, Honeymoon, as we might call it, um, under McCulloch as well. He was certainly their most impressive player um, whenever I saw them. So he gets in there on the left. It's I mean, Gal, you, you can give me one. It's going to be Candeas and Sinclair uh, for the foreign wide players. 
Um, I'm still sticking with Boyle, to okay. be honest with you. That's fine. I don't recognise Aberdeen as being part of Scotland, so... Strip him of his passport. So, yeah. Brexit is Brexit. That, correct. <laughs> Good. Matt, that means that in a, in a 4-3-3, we only got space for one non-Scottish strikers. You, you've gone ahead and picked three, haven't you? Uh, well, yeah, I picked uh, Candeas, Windas, and uh, Sinclair, so... No, I mean in strikers. Sorry, Matt. Oh, in strikers. Sorry, yeah. Uh, I picked uh, Morelos, Molt, and uh, Isma from Hart. So if, if I have to pick one, who? That's going to be tough. No, no. You, I mean, we can discuss your choices there. And, and I kind of oh, okay. wanted to start with that in terms of Morelos as well because he's he's an interesting player in, in a way that he's he's a top scorer. Uh, you know, but in, in terms of non-penalty goals, he's got got ten. The closest one is is Chris Boyd on on eight. His expected goals are, you know, almost twice as much as as the next one in in the league. Which essentially he comes to a lot of of chances. Essentially, Morelos and a lot of a lot of high quality chances too. Yeah, he has a his expected goals per shot is something around, it's around zero point two two. So I mean, it's almost he has a one and a quarter chance of shoot of scoring every time he's he he shoots because he gets such good shots and he's able to consistently get them. And, and as you said, he has you know easily the highest expected goals total in the whole league. So he he's an easy pick for the the foreign best team so far. Um, maybe just staying on my last a, a, a little while. Them, <laughs> this is Doogie's biscuits. Oh yeah, but I bought some. That's not that's not at all. <laughs> actually a little scared to be honest it's not a euphemism it is uh, it's some sort of German gingerbread biscuits yeah uh, chocoladenliebkuchen yeah. sticking to the foreign team um, do we get Matt I'll come back to you but Morales is, is an interesting discussion because people say ah, he scores a lot of goals but he also misses loads and he doesn't really score against uh, the top team in inverted commas uh, how good is uh, some people on Twitter has even uh, compared him to Joey Gardner uh, <laughs> in terms of how successful he's been. But how good is he? And is he overrated or underrated? I would say he's rated, probably. Oh. But that, that's a bit of a cop-out because, yeah, obviously people who over and underrate him. I think he's one of the best strikers in Scotland, certainly one of the best transfers Rangers have made in many, many a year. Um, his finishing, yeah, okay, in the big games. He scored against Hibs. He scored a pretty, from a pretty tight angle against them. Um, and his other finishing, he's, he loves a shot. Is not doesn't tend to shoot from daft locations, which is a good thing. And uh, he does get the chances against the big teams. There was that article from Bobby Gardner. I don't know if you guys read it last week um, about Raheem Sterling. But the principle was that so long as you're getting in the good positions, the goals will come if you keep getting into these good positions, and that's what he does. No matter how good a, a finisher you are, or yeah, a striker, or the yeah, ball you are. Exactly. What, what about his performance against Celtic at Parkhead? He blew at least three or four big, big chances. Yeah, um, there was the point-blank save from Gordon. No, no, that? okay, and that, that, was a hell of a that was one, but there was one in the first half where he got into a really, really good position, and he literally just hit it out, like, hit it to the side netting. Yeah. Uh, you know... I think he's a good player. There's no, que- in fact, I don't think you could question that he's a he's, he's a quality player. And he's what twenty two. He's yeah, he's twenty two this year. So he's young. Yeah, he's got he's got absolutely scope to to develop. Do you think he's going to get any better at Rangers? Um, yeah, I think he I can improve. It depends if Rangers get anywhere in the Europa League next season if they can make the group stages, a couple of qualifiers or whatnot. 
Um, with regards to Parkhead performance, the only thing I think I'd add is that he's so he's come from playing Colombian reserve football to Finland, where he's playing in front of crowds of like two thousand, to Scotland, where he's largely playing in front. Well, he plays at Ibrox um, in front of fifty thousand fans who support him, and then against like how many? 10,000 top so Parkhead where you've got 55,000 against you that's yeah. something new and I, I obviously you talk about how the crowd can affect the football player I think that was certainly something different from something that he's never experienced before I think in his next game at Parkhead if he's not adapted then yeah you can maybe start to ask questions but yeah I'll give him a buy in that one yeah I, I, you know I think he's obviously I'm a Celtic fan and I, I think he shows that he I, I think you mentioned about you know the the right player in the wrong system earlier I can't remember who we were discussing or maybe it was Vincenco yeah, yeah absolutely that do you think having a, a strike partner to play off of will, will kind of benefit him to the point where maybe it's not just down to him scoring the goals maybe a little bit of pressure off him you know drop downs and bounce offs and stuff like that you know might Help yeah, him? yeah. I guess it depends what the second second striker about him does. Jason Cummings is a kind of similar player to him in that he's on the last the shoulder of the last man, looking to get in behind. I think what Celtic did at Ibrox with Morelos was quite cool because they realised that he was always getting in behind these defences and nobody had the balls to play an offside trap against him. And then Celtic did it and he was caught offside like three times. Yeah, yeah. same at Parkhead actually. You, know, offsides. you talk about. Um, they're a little bit too, maybe a little bit too similar. Mm-hmm. Stokes and Hooper um, were really quite similar players in, in how they approached the game. Stokes kind of was a little bit different, he had a little bit more to his game, but in essence they were very selfish goal scorers, mm-hmm. you know, always looking to get in the box and kind of finish. But they adapted their game when they played together and I think that helped Stokes's. uh just help Stokes as a player overall. You could maybe yeah. see something like that where they come together and they start maybe developing differently. Absolutely. But the, th- the point about Stokes and Hooper, okay, they did really, really well, but the third man there was Chris Commons, making the runs from deep, acting essentially as a, as a striker. We, we don't talk midfield. We don't, yeah, popular, <laughs> most Chris popular Collins. man in Celtic, in the world of Celtic at the moment. But his runs from deep that season where he scored 30 yeah. goals, so many of them were Stokes pulls a defender away, Commons yeah. runs into that space, Commons scores. So, it's a formula that works quite well uh, in Scotland. So maybe you can see a guy like Windass taking the Commons role for Rangers and Rangers slowly become what Celtic were five years ago. Yeah, I like I like Windass. Windass is, shows a lot of... Um, he's a guy who I, I think genuinely puts a shift... I know this is going to like sound like fucking puts a shift in, <laughs> but he he, does, he he runs himself into the ground for, for, for Rangers even, even mm-hmm. when it's kind of lost cause thing. So yeah, that's an interesting point. Were you going to say something, Matt? I was just going to say the exact same thing where Windass could take that role that Commons did. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, I presume yourself, foreign striker. Uh, I've gone for Louis Moat. Oh, really? No. Yeah. He's, oh. actually, he's actually from Partick, so. Uh, above Morelos? I have him. Above Morelos, yeah. Not, not, Explain not, yourself. Again, I've, I've kind of. Just in terms of how significant. Um, Molt was to to Motherwell, especially in that cup run. Um, if we look even back to a wee bit to, to the end of last season, how good he was then as well. Um, but again, just so dominant in the air and so pivotal to, um, to everything that Motherwell have been about lately. Um, Very versatile in terms of how he scored goals as well. 
I've, I had the pleasure of seeing him uh, at Hamden at the start of this season against Queen's Park and he came on for a cameo at the end scored two goals I think one of, them, one of which was a free kick had an overhead kick which was uh, narrowly wide or was almost a goal I um, can't remember how it, how it ended up but he was fantastic on that day and obviously I know it's against Amateur, yeah, uh, literal amateur opposition. Um, but you can see just how a step, a step above he was. Wait, how do you think how good do you think he's going to do? Preston. Uh, I think that's an interesting, that's an interesting one. Obviously, they've got uh, Scottish manager. Is Alex Neil? Yeah, um, and Alex Neil. I don't think enough's really made of just how good Alex Neil's Hamilton team was. By the way, yeah, they yeah. were fucking outstanding. Yeah. I haven't seen pressing like that. Um, well, I hadn't up to that point. I've never, I've never seen pressing like that in in Scotland. Um, beat Celtic at Parkhead. Oh, beat! Um, I happened to be in attendance for a three nil Hamilton victory over Aberdeen midweek at New Douglas Park, and it was I was shell shocked by it. Yeah. I'd, I'd never seen a team play like that in Scotland. So compact, so narrow, so aggressive in their forward pressing. It was really, really fantastic. Which was the point, actually, that I kind of wanted to make about Morelos while you were talking about him there. Obviously, I, I didn't pick him on my team, but his the work he does against the ball in terms of his pressing, I think, is something that's uh, an underrated factor from, from him. The amount of times that you see him, and you saw it really well against Celtic, and I've seen this in uh, games that I've watched since. Um, the way that he will when the ball's on the flank, he'll come round and he'll work across and he'll curve round so he'll make sure that you can't play that back pass, that easy pass back to the goalie. And for a team like Celtic who want to keep possession and if you really force the issue with Celtic, they don't particularly deal with it that well. So they do look to maybe re- reset things by going back to Gordon. And Morales completely stopped it by with his yeah. just by pressing across. The only problem with Morales is he looks like Bebop at a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you know, Bebop and Rocksteady. So there you go. Matt, if I mean you actually pick three strikers, but I think the interesting thing with interesting thing with your picks is that if you said to anybody who's who's had a better season of, of Lewis Moult and uh, it's my Gonzalez, easy for you to say, and uh, Hearts, you know people say Moult, but the stats don't really agree, do they? Well, uh, Moult and uh, Goncalves were have similar expected goal totals. Uh, Molt was fourth. I mean, still fourth, even though he's, he's not in the league anymore. And uh, Isma was fifth. Uh, Molt had actually the, the highest goals per 90. So in, in something about I wanted to mention when we were talking about Molt is he's consistently overperformed his expected goals. So that's some, you know, not to compare him to Leo Messi, but the example that people always talk about when talking about expected goals and someone doing better than that is is messy he's always scoring more than his expected goals would say and, and when that Shock. happens you can kind of say that a player is probably you know one of high quality because he's able to do that consistently so for the last three years that's what molt has done in scotland so that's why i think he's going to be able to continue his success when he moves to the championship with press and you know they're I, I don't really know much about them i did see in the standings they're kind of in and around the playoff spots for the championship so i think I can assume that they're, they've got at least a decent squad and Alex Neal's a good coach. But uh, I think uh, Goncalves has been, he, he's kind of been overlooked this year. And he, you know, people talk about Lafferty when they talk about Hearts, um, but his numbers have been worse than uh, Isma's have been. Uh, like I said, he's, he's fifth in expected goals. He has uh, 
goals per 90 of 0.41 and his expected goals per 90 is 0.4 so he's performing exactly how you expect but it just it doesn't seem like when he's paired up with Lafferty that they form really a good partnership and it just seems like Lafferty because he winds people up and because he's a big strong guy in in Levine's system who can hold the ball up he's been preferred to him as of late Gal you're actually going to have the deciding vote here it seems your 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 pick for the best foreign striker is the belly <laughs> okay well i will put that down it doesn't really help me in terms of deciding but okay uh, as though the belly is the best by uh, has he performed he's got, what 10 goals well, this he, season the belly is easily the most talented striker in scotland but because he's been hurt this year that's why i kept him out of my but he's got, he's got what really 10 10, 10 league goals this season he's four Oh, it's ten goals overall. Then I guess. Yeah, yeah he does not have. You don't count the Champions League. <laughs> oh, you don't count yeah. when he scores goals against <laughs> pa- PSG at the Parc de France. This is the Premiership team. Aye, let's get Louis Moult when he scored two goals against Kilmarnock. <laughs> Fucking fuck up, boys. Nah. Uh, the the is goals the League Cup semi-final. To be fair, it's hardly. Yeah, that's Kilmarnock. right. Yeah. No, the is the best striker. But um, who's been the best for? Probably Louis Moult. I think is. You going for Malt? Well, for for this season, yeah. I don't think there's a question on that. And that vote decides that Louis Malt is going into the team ahead of Morelis. Good. Yes, I thought, yes. Seabop <laughs> is raging with it. Now for the really fun stuff. Best Scottish striker. You, yeah, I mean, you, you're doing a 4-4-2 here. Yeah, okay, I give you well, two Scottish right, strikers. Okay, well, right, okay, so here's the thing, right? <laughs> so here's the actual thing, right? So... And just please let me finish. <laughs> <laughs> so that 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 thing that you weren't going to do, have you have you done it? So Lee Griffiths is uh, one of my strikers. Okay. Okay. Fine. That's not a terrible pick. Okay. And my other one. Looking forward to this as well. <laughs> is he, he got it? My other striker. You mentioned earlier on about versatility. My other striker is Callum McGregor as a striker. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was, I was like you would go to to not I was, I was expecting. The, I was expecting the other one. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I couldn't do it, and I tell you why. <laughs> it's got nothing to do with the fact he's an ex Rangers player at all. Like I, some of my best friends are ex Rangers players, <laughs> but he's such a wank of a guy. Like he's just. Um, he set up that charity this week in fairness oh no no <laughs> but, but he does <laughs> to be fair I do agree with you like he does counterbalance doing cool things like that with just being a total ball bag see, see no, no you, you're, I wind up marching 100% yeah. right right see um, that the, the whole um, uh, charity foundation he set up is a legitimately good great yeah, thing so. and he's bringing a really important issue that needs to be discussed and open and absolutely correct yep. I, I, I genuinely found his um football punditry during the, with the Scotland thing I found it laughable oh. and the fact that he talked yeah. about current professionals with such dis- it wasn't even like I don't necessarily think he's good enough it was he was talking about they shouldn't be in the conversation talking about what you described as the all round sort of perfect definition of a Scottish footballer and um, the Aberdeen captain and the fact is it's not what he said it's the way he said it and the disdain he spoke of of Kenny McLean and all these guys are they good enough for Scotland that's not the point the point is how he spoke about fellow professionals I just thought it was really really poor and then I guess you can say the same thing about his comments about Cafro which is where we, to be honest he had a couple of fair points but he rafted in a total personal attack yeah well that's that's the thing if, if, if Chris Boyd had uh, 
any sort of if he just actually thought about what he was saying and how he was saying it and he had just a little bit of class about him and yeah. he delivered his argument against the appointment of Cathro with any sort of demure or any sort of even just empathy then it, it would have been a completely different thing. But he basically said he's a bit of a weirdo and he uses a laptop so he's going to be pish. And you're like, this is how Scottish football. This is how Scottish football dies. This is the fucking hell that Scottish football dies on. <laughs> Guys like Chris Boyd saying this guy's a bit of a weirdo because he uses a computer when he coaches. It's embarrassing. Surely nobody can pick Chris Boyd in the team after that. Doogie, who's your choice? Chris Boyd. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll, Why? Before Do I before I defend Chris Boyd, the footballer, I'll just piggyback on Gal's point there. There's a cool article by Jonathan Liu in the Telegraph a couple of months ago. Oh yeah, and he talked about how Great punditry fighting. is now evolving to the stage where people are just offering opinion without insight. Yeah, and they're just saying something in the most passionate, dogmatic way without actually un- explaining their reasoning. And because it's people can relate to their pal down the pub being the same, it gets. Likes, shares, retweets, whatever, and yeah, Chris Boyd totally sums that up. See, see, on that point, like um, we started this podcast. I started this podcast like what six years ago, right? And the reason I did it was because me and my pals were down the pub having chat, and I thought this is quite funny. Let's put it on a podcast. Put it on a podcast. People would comment and say it's good because it's like your pals, and I'm listening. Because we've never in any way said, this is what it should be. It's just like, well, here you go. I, I, I like this guy. I don't think this guy is very good. It's, it's not the most analytical podcast. However, when you listen to the BBC Sports Sound podcast and Chick Young saying that Alex McLeish should be the, the Scotland manager. Graham um, Souness as well. He, he, said, he said, I would bite your hand off for Graham Souness. And Jim Duffy. What is he on? And it's oh. and also, but it's like um, when Boyd's on it, he's like, "This is just my opinion, man. This is just, I just want to say that I'm just saying this. This is my opinion. This is what I think." And it's like, but you're just saying stuff. You're not backing up any yeah. argument with specifics. You guys would back up your what you maybe not you, Alex, yeah. <laughs> but no, you you guys would back up any kind of comment you'll make with. And that, that's obviously where where uh, Matt comes in when he when he's talking about stats. And I know people get wound up about stats, but the fact is, you can back up your arguments with evidence. And when Chris Boyd says, I don't even want to talk about it anymore. Uh, but I would say, sorry to jump in it again. Oh, no, yeah, Let me just go. finish. Um, he's probably the second best stri- Scottish striker in the league. Eight league goals. Matt, so. Matt, what does the the stats? What's the evidence say about Chris Boyd? So. I, I put Chris Boyd in my team as well. And, and you know, thinking about it, I, I really kind of enjoy the fact that, you know, I, I, w- I want a picture telling Chris Boyd, hey, Chris Boyd, you have the third best expected goals in the league and what his reaction would be to that. <laughs> like what, how he would feel about being a, like on a good striker with <laughs> his, a you know, proper football man had exploded that. Would he be converted to stats? Uh, but he actually has the third best expected goals in the league. He's, I believe, he's second in goals scored. So it's kind of been a bad year for Scottish strikers in the league. Uh, so that's why, unfortunately or fortunately, Chris Boyd is in my team of the year. But you got another one as well, Matt. The yeah, stats, and, the and stat favorite represents even better how poor Scottish strikers have been in the league. And it's uh, Simon Murray. He's he's fourth in expected goals in the league. He's he's got five goals. Um, I thought he'd be a really bad signing for Hibs when they made that signing, but he's been generally pretty good. Um, but it just kind of shows how bad Scottish strikers have been. And it's, and, you know, 
Griffiths is a good choice. He has good expected goals per 90 numbers and expected and goal numbers, but he just hasn't played that much. So that's why I kept him out of my team. But he has six goals. He's at Griffiths, you know, only playing 900 minutes is ninth in the league in expected goals. And, and that's only, like I said, playing 900 minutes. So it's, it's really been a thin year for Scottish strikers. And I mean, Griffiths, Matt, in terms of the last season and this season, he's, he's pretty far ahead of anybody else in terms of expected goals. Am I right in saying that? Or Scott Sinclair as well, maybe? Uh, Sinclair Sinclair is the highest at Celtic, yeah. but Griffiths is behind is the one behind him. Alex, you you might be the deciding voter. Your one Scottish McGregor. Striker. I said McGregor. Think about you, you it. You can put McGregor, McGregor in the team here, McGregor. which is because it's a four four two. I've gone for Chris Boyd. No, and also this is that there actually isn't any other. Yeah, like, I mean, but like again, for all again everything that you said, of course, is is totally valid and thank you very and, much That's, and uh, that means a lot to me and yeah, almost God. surely uh, correct as well um although i, I do want to get behind this idea of presenting chris boyd with a some sort of trinket Stappy's um, trinket yeah uh-huh, uh-huh. So, some some sort of mug or um t-shirt put, or something you like can that. put that next to his ebt's in it <laughs> aye hashtag set the titles do you any any thoughts on that no, <laughs> yeah, um no i mean that is the teams since there's two Scottish strikers Chris Boyd goes in we have a choice between Simon Murray Lee Griffiths and Callum McGregor and Lee Griffiths goes in as well so what are we going to do Callum McGregor still ahead of Murray (laughs) 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 he actually is so quickly we're going to go through and do our combined overall team I'm going to give you two choices for goalkeepers uh, Gal Gordon or Manus Gordon Gordon Doogie yeah Gordon (gasps) Alex Gordon Matt? Uh, I'll go with Gordon. Okay, I'm going to go with Manus, but that doesn't really matter then, because it's <laughs> Gordon. Uh, left back, Tierney or Basque John? You, why are you even yeah, asking Yeah, I'm not even asking you, Doogie. Kind of like every Celtic poll on Twitter. Just Kieran Tierney. Yeah. Exactly. Alex, you same? Was, yeah, Tierney. Okay, Matt, I think, we're, I think we know your answer. Yeah, Tierney. <laughs> you know, fair play to Basque John, though. Uh, two centre-halves, Gal? Uh, I'll give you four to choose from. You tell me two. Danny Wilson, <laughs> Henry, Boyata, Kipre. Uh, Kipre and Boyata. Doogie. Danny Wilson and Danny Wilson. <laughs> no, don't, I'll put Boyata next. Don't, don't be funny, <laughs> Doogie. Uh, Alex. Uh, I will go Boyata and... Boyata and... Kipre, Kipre. Wilson. I'll go Stephen Wilson. <laughs> Matt. Well, I think I'm going to cause a tie here because I'm going to go Boyata and Kipre. Yeah! Yeah, yeah, yeah. My yeah. choices are Boyata. Don't, don't you fucking dare. <laughs> and <laughs> even though he was a, a Liverpool player once in a time, I'm going to go with uh, Kipre because he can be a nasty bastard. And I like that. So it's Boyata. Kipre was at Liverpool, and, was he? No, Wilson was. I know, no, I, so, but, but there was factual. This is a stats and facts <laughs> podcast, <laughs> and Keepley, I can confirm, was definitely not at Liverpool. He was at PSG though. So, there you go. so that's that's thanks for adding a completely pointless the, piece the of information. Of the, of the continent. This yeah. might this might be a, a tough one. I'll go to Matt for this one. Right by Cadden or Tavernier. That's what I call him. Uh, I'm gonna go with Tavernier. Tavernier. Alex. Uh, Tavernier. Doogie. Tavernier. Gal. Lustig. Lustig. Uh, oh, I meant to. Uh, I forgot to mention before, real quick. 
so I was talking about who, which teams had the lowest percentage of key passes and expected goals for different places. Uh, Gall, do you want to guess who has the highest expected goals and key passes from the right side? <laughs> if, the, if they had the biggest one on the left, where, where do you think Celtics? Uh... As, as, <laughs> as, as, as it uh, Captain Fantastic, is it? Uh, I mean, if, if that means Michael Listig, yes, the, the Celtic has the highest percentage of their key passes and expected goals coming from the right side of anyone in the league. Boom! So that's why Listig should be in it. <laughs> uh, I think I think the opposite. I think that's why he should not be in it. Oh, is that bad? Sorry, yeah, we'll against... explain that to you later. Okay, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Central midfield, um, I'm going to take an executive decision here and say we're going to go with three in central midfield. Brown so, is so, yeah. waving at a so, question. So there's Brown. five to choose from, and you have to choose three, Gal. There, he says three like an Irishman. <laughs> <laughs> you have to choose yeah, I, three. I had, I had two Northern Irish flatmates at uni, so that's probably Tree. why. Tree, uh, Scott Brown, John McGinn, Nitchum, Kamara, Malumbu. Uh, Brown, McGinn, and then Cham, which is going to be Celtics midfield next season. <laughs> Doogie? Cham, Brown, Malumbu. Alex, this is tense. Brown, McGinn, Malumbu. Oh my word! You Gal, Gal, it's uh, Matt. It's it's very close, Matt. What, what, were, what were all the options again? Okay, uh, Scott Brown, John McGinn, uh, Nitchum, Kamara, Malumbu. Uh, let's go, Malumbu, Brown, McGinn. That it's um, yeah. No, I'm I'm gonna put. Who? Brown, Nitchum, Colombo, and Malumbo. So far in the balls, it's unbelievable. Um, so I'm going to go with with Nitchum, and because I like Kamara, I'm going to put Kamara in, and yeah, I think Scott Brown as well. So that is our team: is then Scott Brown, Oliver Nitchum, and Greg. Greg? Is it Greg? Greg Kamara? Glenn. Glenn. That Finnish name. What, what a name. Um, so we have, okay, that's our central midfield. Two wide players from the following four, Gal. Right, you two. <laughs> <laughs> you <can't> <laughs> <laughs> you're, not, you're not allowed to pick the same players. Uh, Forrest and, uh, what are the choices? Forrest, Christie, Sinclair, Candeas. Uh, i probably go Forrest and Sinclair, actually. I should have said, let's do this right wing and left wing, but okay. We, we, we won't do that. For, for oh, if Sinclair. I was going to go right wing, I certainly wouldn't pick Sinclair, if you know what I mean. Eh? Uh, uh, Forrest and Sinclair. Oh, I'll, I'll let you free choice. Two <laughs> yeah, of those four. Let's go Candace and Forrest. Two oh, right wingers. Oh, nice. <laughs> That's not my politics, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Alex? Um, I'll go Candace and Sinclair. Matt? It's close again. Uh, I'll go Candace and Forrest. If Boyd gets in this team, I'm telling you that this, so this episode's Dougie. getting lost. I'm. Uh, I, I, I have to stick to my stat principle. It's Candeas, and I also gonna pick um, Scott Sinclair because I think he's been better than what people say. So the team is Candeas on the right, Sinclair on the left, and that is the sound of Celtic Twitter going. On the warpath against I'm, us. Because, uh, yeah. no, hold on a minute. I'm fucking against this and I'm part of this. <laughs> okay, thing. so Gal's not part of this. Um, tough choice at the end. One striker <clears throat> uh, from Boyd, Griffiths, and Malt. Gal? Uh, on the ba- from a serious point of view, on uh, the basis of this season, it's I don't think there's a doubt it should be Malt. Um, but overall, um, Griffiths is the better player. 
Dookie? As tempted as I am, <laughs> as tempted as I am, I'm going to have to go to Louis Moult. He was phenomenal in his time there. He really was. He really, uh, it's a sad loss for the league, I think. Yeah, mm, I worked sadly. down in Bells Hill and a lot of Motherwell fans, and what the amount of man love they had for Louis Moult. Yeah. I, it was honestly like your son going off to university when he left. It was I, think he's, I think he's lo- went to the wrong team, though. And mm-hmm. I would hate to think that he'll be back up at Motherwell in two seasons, but who knows. Mm. Alex? I shall also go with Malt. I think it's a, a prudent decision. Matt is, is academic now, but Blue Malta or Chris Boyd? Holy Griffiths. Yeah, I, I think with all the, the tweets and, and images and graphs I created for Louis Malt, I don't think I can pick anyone else. And that's our team. It is in goals. Craig Gordon, left back, Kane Tierney, right back, James Tavernier. Uh, we have a centre back partnership of Dedrick and Cedric. Uh, we have in central midfield, Nitchum, Brown, Kamara. We had Candeas and Sinclair on the wings, and we got Louis Malt at the top. So give your feedback and positive criticism uh, to the Nightmare Dot com. Yeah, you don't have to. It doesn't have to be positive. Yeah, um, no. Or criticism for that matter. Usually, yeah. is. Um, so, a couple, a couple of questions we need to finish up on because we. Yeah. Do, uh, so, sorry, you're going to. No, finish. no. I was going to say. I mean, it's, it's it's taking a ridiculous amount of time, but I wanted to do really quickly some predictions for the second half of the season as well. And Matt, I'm going to come to you because you're a stack guy, and we are the best uh, in terms of. I mean, we try and if, if there's one metric that we, we like to try and predict future performances and results from is, is always the expected goals. Um, and if we look at the league table at the moment, um, for, for me, there's, there's maybe three or four teams that, that sticks out in terms of they're in a, a, you know, a different place in terms of what the performances have been saying and what their actual results. The first is Motherwell, who is in 8th place in, in the league table and they're 5th in expected goals uh, and there's also Ross County who's bottom of the league but they are ninth in expected goals do you think we can claim now that Motherwell is going to get a uh, uh, top 6 and Ross County is going to be safe? Well, Ross County I don't know because just they well the whole the whole bottom of the table is really close in terms of points and expected goals um, Ross County has really underperformed them the most, but I, th- they're currently bottom. So I, I just don't know if they're going to be able to make up the necessary points, if they're going to be able to keep up with the, the rest of the group at the bottom there to, to get out. But there's so many bad teams. You know, Thistles struggled this season. They're only three points ahead. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and make the bold prediction that Ross County will finish 11th, and Thistle will go down this year, much to the annoyance of their PR guy who says that these stats aren't in context. I wonder if they're in context yet. Uh, but, yeah, uh, I, I, I think that Thistle will go down. Because Thistle is obviously an interesting case. Because they, they, were, they were in a similar situation last season where they were, I think they were bottom as late as December, but their expected goal difference said something else, that they were actually yeah, they were, they're they, doing they well. Fifth, I think they were sixth or fifth in expected goal difference, but this year they're, they're the, they have the worst expected goal difference. So they really deserve to be on the bottom. Um, Thistle just, or Ross County just kind of had some bad luck that's seen them at the bottom of the table, but this will really, it, their performances have been bad, their stats have been bad, everything's really been 
it's been a struggle for Thistle this that season. That is official from the stack, guys. Thistle is going down. Um, They're just not getting the fucking ball in the, in the mixer. Exactly. Nah, get the, listen, get it up the fucking park and in the mixer, am I right? Knock on. Here's one for you, gal. Second place. Um, if you look at the expected goal difference, um, it's, Rangers is, is way ahead of Hibernian and then Aberdeen. Do you think Rangers will take second? I think Rangers have recruited very well. Um, it's not long term because obviously loans, if they can get those guys. From, from what they've brought in, I've been, I think they're all good um, additions. I think they're players who will give a little bit more energy. I still think if Marty goes on a two game, two or three, four game run, it lost two or three game run where he doesn't win and it starts to get a little bit antsy and you know Jason Cummings never really been in that position before playing at Ibrooks when he's not scoring goals and you know stuff like that you know there's there's a lot of variables with Rangers but in terms of how they've recruited um, they get a little bit more stability now Hibs are Hibs Hibs will implode uh, no, no question about it Aberdeen I don't know it just depends on how how Aberdeen do against uh Against Rangers, if, if Aberdeen can, I think Aberdeen are kind of over their hump. Yeah. I know they lost those two games to Rangers, but I think Aberdeen will probably finish second, and Rangers uh, third. Matt, in terms of you know, we look I hope at, they don't know. I hope they get relegated. Yeah. idiots. <laughs> in terms of how we look at performances, Matt, in terms of expected goals, Rangers is, is far ahead of Aberdeen. Do you think Aberdeen is 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 you know in terms of who's going to finish second? It, it looks yeah, like Rangers from our yeah. point of view, doesn't it? Well, yeah, I think Aberdeen will will start to see some progression to that mean. Um, I think Aberdeen or Rangers are pretty much performing as you'd expect them to with their expected goals, but Aberdeen is has been a little fortunate that they're a little above what we'd predict. So I think Rangers will be able to catch up with, like Gall saying, the some of the signings they made. I think it'll kind of add some more depth, whereas I think that's kind of one of Aberdeen's problems is is they just don't have the same depth that someone, like obviously Celtic does, but even with all the signings that Rangers made that they, they made. So any you know injuries to key, a key guy uh, can see them regress to the mean and, and fall back into third or maybe even fourth. Do you maybe, maybe one last point in terms of expected goals? What we... The main story, if you want to call that, in terms of expected goals in the first part of the season, was for us it was um, Kilmarnock because we uh, Kilmarnock had a really bad start in terms of results, in terms of expected goal difference. They were actually about sixth to seventh in the league. So, so us stack guys um, said that when McCulloch was was signed, oh sorry, sacked, that look almost whoever comes in, as long as Kilmarnock just plays at the same level they have results will start picking up. Now, they've obviously got somebody, Steve Clarkin, who's probably, compared to almost the rest of the league, is, is maybe who, a, who, a, a, step, a, a really, really good quality manager. So, who Rangers should have got. So yeah. there's it, it, a good combination there in terms of they've been unperforming in terms of getting results based on performance, but also got a guy in who's who's really good to organise them. And, and yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that Kilmarnock were certainly due an upturn in performance when McCulloch left. There was obviously an element of luck. In results. In, yeah, in, yeah, in results and what they were doing. Um, however, I think certainly as of the as of Christmas, I think between Clark's appointment, Kelly were actually second only to Celtic in the league in terms of the points they got. So that was an upturn, but it was a hell of an upturn. Yeah. I think 
that's maybe some evidence of Clark's managerial ability. You can tell the team's a lot more organised. It stops shipping the stupid goals. I don't know if you guys watch Gordon Sawyer's his YouTube rants and sometimes yeah, the Raj, and you see the the sort of goals that Kelly conceded the last couple of seasons, and it's just absolute madness. They've cut most of that out, apart from when they had Special K Chris Iyer towards the end of last season. Exactly. However, I digress. Yep, they're a much more organised outfit. They're benefiting from bouncing. Um, and luck and yeah they'll certainly make one, one question sorry to jump in who would you have Michael O'Neill or um, Steve Clark as a Scotland manager if you had the choice oh that's a good one Steve Clark Steve Clark Alex um, I don't know Me you too. said you've been watching a, a lot of Scottish football uh, while you've been ill I don't know if you've been ill because you've watched a lot of Scottish football <laughs> lately perhaps some correlation there yeah. you know you, you watch a lot more now overall Scottish football in a, in a tactical sense and where are they it's the fucking best I, th- I think that there, might there analysis, certainly has um I think the one thing that I've sort of really started to gain an appreciation of, which I maybe perhaps didn't um, before I started watching um, a lot of Scottish football, and it's something that Kelly do really well, and it's just, it's how they manage to attack stably and consistently despite playing so direct. So something that Rangers don't do very well. I made a I made a short video clip of a Pedro Cristina press conference yep. a while ago um, where he talks about how sometimes his Rangers team were playing too uh, too direct, too quickly and they weren't giving the rest of the team time to sort of catch up catch to where up the ball on. was going. And it's something that Kelly have done really, really well since Steve Clark has come in. Now, what I've, one of the things that I did is I watched a handful of Kilmarnock games from under McCulloch and compared them to what they do under Steve Clark. And obviously, like I mentioned, defensively they're much better organised um, in terms of their defensive system. It's way, way more cohesive. Um, it's more zonal, but that's neither here nor there. That's just a, a personal thing, but I think it works far, far better than the sort of weird man-marking thing that McCulloch was doing. And in terms of their pressing, much more in intensity. Um, they maybe they won't press high up, but when they do go to press, they're pressing much more intensity. So again, these are all quote-unquote tactical things that have sort of come into the Scottish game um, we see it again also with teams like Hibs um, when Hibs have played Celtic and Hearts as well they've tried the high press and system against Celtic um, these are all things which I will kind of loosely touch on in my IR article as well um, but back back to Kelly as well this idea of when they when they do play forward even though they do it directly and even though they do they do, do it quickly, they're then able to sort of back that up really, really well. And Malumbu is very important in that in yeah. that respect. And that he gets there he gets there quickly. It's sort of almost in the Scott Brown role. Um when Celtic do get towards the penalty box, if the attack does break down, which more likely not it does, not all attacks are going to reach the net. Um but if the attack does break down, then Malumbu is there to to, uh, to clean up, uh, up yeah. uh, to step in and to deal with it, to keep the attack going, win another corner, win another throw in, get another cross into the box. You do that enough times, and a striker with the penalty box acumen, as Chris Boyd has, all he needs is one. All he needs is one chance, and he's likely he's to a cracking striker. He's awesome. a lovely guy from what yeah. Oh yeah. So you've heard it here first, um, Kilmarnock for the Europa League. Um, Gal, we've ignored the listeners and, and tweeters a long time. Any more questions we, to, to end, end, end the podcast then? What we're going to do is, um, a lot of these are Celtic-based, <clears throat> so we're doing a podcast on Monday, so I'll make sure to uh, 
you know highlight these favorite these and we'll, we'll bring them up on Monday. But there's a message uh, tweet from Brian Hamill. Do the stat lads think that stats are ever used wrongly in analysis? This season, people have continually used stats to suggest Sinclair has been one of our best players. When anyone who has actually watched the game knows he has been poor consistently, stats can also can often be very reductive. Matt, I'll let you take that. So yeah, uh, Sinclair is an interesting example because it was something I was looking, or he was someone I was looking at before the podcast. So we talked about how comparatively to the rest of the league, he's been you know one of the better players. But you know, as much as you know, we defend the Scottish game against other people who who slag it, who say it's bad. It, it's definitely not in the same level as some other leagues. So while I was looking at the stats for Sinclair this year, I, I compared him to last year. And I found that he's he's just not – the stats just quite aren't as good. So looking at his expected goals per 90 last season, he had uh, expected goals per 90 of 0.6. It's down this year to uh, 0.52. And uh, for his expected assists this year – or last year he was at 0.29, and this year he's at 0.19. So I think, you know, I think that's a good point. You, you do have to use stats the right way. Um, Sinclair, you know, is still one of the better players in the league this year, but I definitely think you can use stats to make the case that he is still one of the better players this, in the league, but he's he's his performance is down from what it was last year. And I think in general, I think you only really bad as stats analyst would say you you should only you should only look at the stats because um, anyone who says that doesn't know what they're talking about in terms of stats as well. So you have to use your your analysis and watch the game. As you have to do. use your eyes, guys. Let's, you have to use let's your eyes. Use, let's use our eyes. Come on. <laughs> I think that, but, um, yeah, there has to be be, be a combination yeah. with them. In terms of how stats are used and if they're used wrongly, all the bloody time. And nobody are more bitchy or, or, or critical about the way people use stats uh, than people who are into that. I mean, we're honestly like mean girls sometimes when it comes to, to, to looking at other analysts and the stats and people who do it the wrong way as we see it. So there's a lot of internal criticism in the stats community. But yeah, essentially, you should never only use stats. That would be ridiculous. You should make never make any decision just on stats. I think that there's a... I think that one of the big problems, especially with when people talk about misreading stats, is that I think there's a... There's a false equivalency that performance equals output, or the output rather equals performance. Yeah. That because a player um, like Scott Sinclair has x um, x amount of expected goals, or that because he has this particular output that he's performing well. Um, and I think that what output can't tell you is how all these things interact, not just with each other, yeah. but with their teammates, with the state of the game um, with the opponents with generally what's happening um, so yeah I think that this is something that certainly we need to be wary of um, and obviously the guys who are who are the best statisticians are also the best interpreters of them and they're able to make those sort of decisions as to what does this mean what does this tell me and often you find that these are guys who uh, use the, the statistic as a as a way in almost yeah as a, as I mean a, as a foot it, in the door used rightly stats I think should be um, a conversation starter yeah, rather uh, than a conversation yeah. ender yeah, in terms of saying certainly. these other facts like at a dinner party exactly stuff I like mean that. you, know, you see some of the dinner parties we have yeah. you, you'd expected N expected nip 
etc. Um, Any other questions? <laughs> <laughs> we, we do. Um, but thanks to Mark uh, for being our wee pal. Thanks to Brian Hamill for tweeting in and Paul McTaggart and uh, everyone else who did. But we'll probably get back to you guys on Monday. Uh, I'll keep those stats um, for Monday. Uh, you, you, it's your podcast, man. You want to finish up? Yeah, and no, I want to say uh, thanks to Matt for taking time off work again. Um, who knows when you're going to have time to do this again, Matt? Yeah, so I had to I had to move my uh, podcast location because where I would do it the last couple times, uh, it was an office before in my house. Now it is is slowly turning into a nursery. So yeah. good, uh, good luck doing all the stats once the, the little one arrive. Well, see what I think of it is when when the baby's crying and, and all that. You know, I'll, I'll be one hand carrying the baby and the other hand on my laptop you know finding the expected goals for uh chris boyd telling her about chris boyd absolutely no thanks for coming on again uh matt um thanks for having do good right your uh debut right 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 (laughs) doogie right 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 right. that should be done more often no. I want to be greeted every day by that. Uh, that you, know, be my <laughs> you record that and I'll wake up to that how every about, morning. How I just do it for you. Yes. I mean, okay. Yeah. That, I mean, Dougie, you usually get a lot of views on Twitter. You're probably going to get even more after this. Yeah, but like, hope you, you enjoyed it. Yeah, I certainly have. Um, if you think I've deserved a slag, even if you don't, just send some abuse my way. Yes. At, at Dougie Wright. Uh, Matt is on at um, the Backpass Rule. He's also have a personal account if you want to abuse him personally. I'm sure <laughs> you'll find that. Alex Lawrence, you, you're not uh, any. You, you, you're quite used to the Twitter abuse by now. Yeah, I'm. I'm it's uh, at the tent space. Yeah, I'm just send yeah. send all all inquiries, all inquiries there. Loves tents at the tent space as is uh, Twitter. Oh, tent space. Uh, the tent space. Making a joke. At the Thank, um, space. Uh. The Galatron, Chris Gallagher. <laughs> thanks for keeping it real. I always keep it real. That's how. Uh, that's how. And we're back to normal business on on Monday. Yeah, we're back to uh, Celtic business predominantly because I think there's a lot of ranting that needs to be done um, and want to be done. Uh, but uh, yeah, we'll get if you guys want to come on. You know, periodically. Well, I was going to say if, if the Senate game is coming up. We have a a Senate fan in the room with Alex Lawrence. Are we going to hear from him before Ooh. the Senate games? E dog. Well? Uh, yeah, we're going to dissect. Um, the Alex, he's going to going to cut you up <laughs> like a Russian doll, like a Russian doll, and yeah. there'll be miniature Alex's. Um, and say, let's end this. This is two or <laughs> I know. I don't know. We haven't even had a, a, a beer, so no, I know. Um, but Christian, thanks for for you thanks. know directing the the absolutely. And um, we'll put the Twitter uh, teams out on Twitter, and uh, I mean, if you're still listening to this. Now, after two hours and seven minutes, fair play to you. Uh, you've shown you've shown some commitment and some yeah. art. Great character. Yeah. Uh, so we are the Ninety Minute Cynic. We're at Ninety Minute Cynic on Twitter. You can also check us out on our website, NintyMinuteCynic.com, where we have the world famous the supplement. Supplement. Uh, my new edition out in three weeks. Three weeks. About um, three weeks time. Uh, it might be called something else. Uh, a little rebranding, but it's it's. It's it's be the biggest issue yet. It's some good stuff. Doogie's in it. Alex is in it. I'm doing a thing for you, it as well. You, well, so you say. I haven't seen anything. Um, yet, but um, but yeah, it. it's gonna be good though. Yeah. Um. So check us out on there, and all, all of our details are pretty much on uh, Twitter at Night Minutes in it. But you can check us out on iTunes if you are on iTunes. If you could subscribe and possibly leave a nice comment, and don't leave a bad one. Leave that on Twitter, but yeah. that, that's going to be Chris Boyd. Don't be Chris Boyd. Yeah, yeah. And Chris, a, if you're listening, don't don't be a Chris Boyd. Be a can. Don't be a can. Notice. Be a can. Yes. 
That doesn't even make sense. No, it doesn't. It doesn't <laughs> have to. It's a tactics. It's sport. been a two-hour podcast. Have we? I know. Uh, but no, we'll be back on Monday and uh, every week from then on. Uh, we are the Ninety Minute Cynic, and we'll speak to you down the road. Dead, sucking down coffee from a black oak fountain. If you're home.